The summer wind came blowing in from across the sea. It lingered there to touch your hair and walk with me all summer long. We sang a song and then we strolled that golden sand. Two sweethearts and the summer wind. Welcome, one and all, to episode I have no fucking idea of the feminine critique. Two thousand eighty-nine. Congratulations! Ninety. Okay. We might have broken ninety. Oh, good for us. Or we, us. or we might totally not have. We may still be at like Six eighty-seven. Years? Yeah. Yeah. Um, something like that. Cool. Yeah. Yay! Look at us. It. Look at us. We know we take our time, as we've said before. It's all about the quality, not the quantity. And I should first apologize. I really hope the audio quality is okay as I say that because I'm in a different setup. Um, and because I noticed in the last recording, I thought I sounded very loud. And I, I know I always sound loud, but I thought I sounded like particularly loud. Extra loud. Yeah. And I don't think anybody wants to hear me speak at my outdoor voice because my indoor voice is my outdoor voice. So outdoor voice for me is very, very dangerous. <sighs> How are you, Christine? I'm well. How are you? Emily? Fine. Fine. It's summertime. It is. Yes. Are you um, surfing the waves and um, cowabunga-ing on the West Coast? I am, actually. Good. How did you know? Have um, you seen I've, my I've, I've seen enough to know. That's what West Coasters do. Yep, yep. Hanging 10 That's all right. day, every Word. day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, what movies are we talking about today? We're talking about, I almost forgot, we're talking about <laughs> about um, the movie Monster, mm-hmm. um, directed by one Patty Jenkins. Of Wonder starring, Woman fame nowadays. Exactly, very relevant, mm-hmm. uh, starring Charlize Theron. Um, and to pair, we're, we're going to be talking about Aeon Flux. Yes. Who is directed, what is, that is directed by um, the person's name who I don't know how to pronounce properly, Karen Kusama. I can't ever say it right. I say Kusama. It could be Kusama. I'm not sure. I heard somebody say it out loud when I went to the invitation screening that she was at. And it was not the way that I said it ever. So now I'm like hyper aware that I said it wrong. And I can't remember how that person said it. No, and it's one of those things where, like, when you can't you can't remember which way, so therefore you're always unsure. Yeah, that's dangerous. Yeah, but I love her, and she directed The Invitation mm-hmm. and Jennifer's Body, which is one of my favorite movies of all time, and also starring Charlize Theron. Charlize Theron, who is also has a big movie coming out this week. Next, is it this week or next week? Uh, it's, it's oh. next, I say this week, meaning the week coming, you I do. guess. But- which means nothing to anybody listening to this. Um, soon, in the month of July. <laughs> I think it's July 28th. I think it is I think a you're week right. from yesterday. Yeah. Yes. Which I'm very excited, especially after watching Eon. I am excited to see her do action-y stuff again. I mean, I know we had Mad Max, but I'm I, like, I want more action-y mm-hmm. Charlize. And she gets to be, like, glam doing it. <laughs> 
yeah. so excited. Yeah, even. no, the, the trailer for Atomic Blonde made me so excited because I didn't know anything. I had like no idea this was a thing or that it was being made. Mm-hmm. And then I guess it was when we went to see whatever the last movie we saw in the theater was, which I can't even remember what it was. What, what was it? Was there a big movie that came out recently that we... Oh, Wonder Woman. Boy. Hey, doing. Um, When we saw the Wonder, Wonder Woman, yeah, and the trailer for that, I was like, I, I, it's it's been a while since I've seen a trailer and, like, my heart was beating faster. But I'm like, oh, my God, this looks like somebody was just like, I want to make a fucking James Bond movie with Charlize Theron as James Bond, but not call it James Bond. And that's mm-hmm. what they, it looks like they did. I'm very excited. Yeah. And I, I will be seeing it in the theater. Yeah, so. I'm hoping to. Because it's the kind of thing, like, I just want to give it my money. I want, yep. you know, for all of the, yay, Wonder Woman did so well. Yeah, it did, but it was still, like, a major property. I want, you know, here's an original. I don't think it's based on anything. Or I think it, it's based on a comic. It might be based on a comic, but it's not, like, a big property. Yeah. And it's not a, it, you know, it's, it's still one of those, like, people could argue still about Mad Max of, oh yeah, it was a hit. Doesn't it say something that you had a female-fronted film? Well, first of all, they didn't advertise it as a female-fronted film. And -hmm. second of all, it was still part of a series. So, I I mean, I'm telling people to give your money to a movie I haven't seen yet, but people give your money to Atomic Blonde. I know, it screened at, um, boy, South by Southwest, maybe, when I was still in Austin, and I knew somebody that went and got to see it then, so like in April, and they loved it. Good. Like, so, and it's somebody whose opinion I typically, like, I'm in line with. Mm-hmm. So I have measured yet high hopes for it. I think okay. it, it could potentially be amazing. Yeah, I'm hoping to see it. Um, obviously, as you might guess by the fact that we are covering two Charlize Theron films, we are both big fans of hers. Yay! I definitely am. She's, she's fantastic. Amazing. Like, she's really good. Like, I, I mean, I, I knew she was great. And we've, we've talked about Young Adult, which is... <gasps> I know. Just jaw-dropping how good she is and in a character that is not an easy character to play. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I sat down and watched Monster for the first time since it came out in the theaters, it was really hard to not just constantly be like, my fucking God, she's good. She's really good in it. I didn't, I guess I didn't realize. Yeah. Um, Because she she won. She won the Oscar. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. I think there's this weird thing that goes along with she obviously falls into that category that I don't necessarily agree with of well they just uglied themselves up to to get an award and I don't I think that that's very offensive I agree but I think a bit of me might have held on to that thinking that oh because she played an ugly role and she wasn't glamorous they just threw something at her Mm -hmm. when you watch it and you go like oh no fuck she's so good in this yeah and there's something too. I think as when I was younger, especially, I think I even had I had an even bigger chip on my shoulder about that because it's the whole like, oh yeah, she gained weight for the role. Well, fuck you, I gained weight by eating a sandwich. But at the same time, <laughs> like when you think about how important your looks are when you are someone like Char- Charlize Theron, mm-hmm. especially you know she was I think like 28 or so when she made this movie. She was she was a and she is a beautiful woman and that is a huge part of why she became a successful actress you mm-hmm. you know you, yes you can you don't have to be attractive to be a good actress but in hollywood you have to be really attractive to be a star for yeah. the most part especially if you're a woman and putting on 20 pounds is 
Sure. You may be doing it because, you know, oh, t- there are people that do it probably for an Oscar or for a chance at an Oscar. But it's also, it, that is a big thing to ask of a woman who is making her living yeah. based on the fact that she is a size zero or whatever she was. And so as much as like, it's funny because I started thinking about the term like brave performance and, and I started yeah. thinking, I'm like, have they ever used the term brave for a male performance that wasn't about a male playing a gay playing a gay I was just going to say, unless you're, uh, it's a man playing transgender yep. or playing gay or some, some form of like, or like maybe even a disability of some, some yeah, version Penn of that. Yeah, I Am Sam is brave. Ex- ex- exactly. It's so when it's perceived that somebody's doing something like beneath them, right. that they're, they're brave. And whereas for a woman, it's if she gets naked or if she yep. like puts on weight, it's oh, that's a brave performance. Which is which is technically you could say that that's beneath them. Right. They they're too good to be naked, which is an absurd thing. Oh, or or they're too they're too beautiful to. Why would they ever look want to look like a normal person? Mm-hmm. So it's an offensive thing, I think. Oh God, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it cheapens someone's ability. Yep. Like if somebody gives a really good performance. Find other ways to describe it other than them be it being brave. Yep. Because you're you're discounting like the work that they you know obviously put into that performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just something that I started thinking of because I remember how often that word was mm-hmm. used for this particular performance, and I started thinking you never hear it used for male performances. Yes. Where if you meant it a different way, I don't know if I'd ever lead with the word brave, but you could find similar words to describe the mm-hmm. performance. Sure. I think it's. It is a very bold performance. Very but, much. But I don't think they're saying, like, it's it's so bold of her to take on this role and be so vulnerable yet so aggressive. Right. They were saying it, and it's not about, she oh, she, or that she's playing a killer or that she's exactly. playing a lesbian. Yep. It's no, yep. it's that she's she put on weight and she's playing an ugly character. Yep. And it's, yeah, it's in, it's infuriating. Um, it, boy, we're going to have a lot to say about these, these movies, I think. <laughs> I think so. Uh, before we get to that, Christine, it's been some time. What else have you been watching? I watched all the movies, but yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna cut it real short. Oh, no, you I tell me all it. the movies. I'm not gonna talk about all of them. People want to hear about all the movies. I know. I'll pick the good ones. Um, That's no so fun. I saw something that I think you really liked, um, and. I, I think you did. Belko Experiment, you liked it, I right? enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. I liked it too. Um, it wasn't great. Mm-hmm. It didn't set my world on fire. But, like, I had heard really negative things. I, yeah, people were really hard on it. And I think I, I think it's a movie that could have made a lot of different decisions that might have been stronger. Like, my biggest thing is I think they should have been more daring about anybody can die than anybody yep. should have died. Yeah. But for a you know theatrical released horror film it's pretty fresh it's pretty Mm -hmm. brutal and i enjoyed it yeah i liked it too i'm glad i watched it good 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 um i watched bye bye man what did you think of the bye bye man i really liked it i haven't seen it yet but when i saw the trailer i was like i really kind of want to see that movie um it i wish i could i did watch this probably like the day after we recorded last, which okay. was a, a little bit ago, so I don't remember all the details. But there was some, maybe some typical modern horror movie foolishness that sometimes I can go like, come on. But there were some effective 
scares. It creeped me out okay. at some points. Nice. It was, it was ob- maybe a little bit obvious where it was going. Um, but, like, I don't know. I think that thing did real poorly. I don't... I Maybe it's by virtue of its silly name. It is a silly name. It's really fun to say. And they do say it in the movie a lot. Yes! <laughs> so, so That in itself has sold me on this movie. But So you have this goofy name, and, like, I don't know, maybe I thought that goofy would translate into the film itself. Mm-hmm. It didn't. Like, I, there were some creepy fucking things. So this and is like, no my soul to take, is what you're telling me. Oh, what is? <laughs> um, um, and I, like, there were, I remember rooting for some of the characters and being bummed out maybe when it didn't work out for them. Okay. Or, like, being tense. Like, it, I think it was really effective. Nice. I think you should watch it. I'm gonna watch it. It wasn't streaming, was it? No, it wasn't. Okay. Well, I'll keep my eye out for it. Um, Here's a movie that was streaming that um, I forgot to mention the last time we talked. It should it should have probably been my recommend at some point. Hmm. It's called Man Versus. Oh, NOTLP just um, covered this, and they seem to enjoy it. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Cool. Um, I made my mom watch it. I texted her like right after we watched it in the middle of the night. I was like, Ma, next time you watch it, this is the next movie you have to watch because <laughs> it's so something. It's like... It's, like, found footage. It's, mm-hmm. like, first POV. It's got, like, a weird twist that, like, I so I knew she would just gobble it up. Yep. And she loved it, too. Cool. And that's streaming. It, I watched it on Netflix. I think it might still be there. I but think it's, it's also, if it's not, it's also on Prime. It's on Prime, yep. Yes. 100% saw it the other night. So I recommend that a lot. Cool. Um, I talked Zach into watching Monsters. That uh, how did I mean I want I I liked it the first time I really liked it when I rewatched it about a year or two ago. What did you think? I liked it when I first saw it, and I couldn't stand it this last time. No kidding. Yeah, I was really I was actually disappointed. Huh. Um, I just think it's such uh, a great use of we're taking a concept. We don't have the money to show you what you want to see, but we're going to suggest everything you need to know. Um. And and I, I, that, that aspect of it still really works. Okay. It's just the characters di- like didn't work for me this time. That's fair. Um, and it's a shame because I will always have fond memories of it. Mm-hmm. I will not let this rewatch color how I feel. Because maybe I'll, I'll watch it in six months and like not feel that way. You never know. But it didn't rewatch well for me. Um, we watched The Dark Half, which I had never seen before. I don't know that I've ever actually watched that. It's such a wild movie it's huh. i thought it was gonna be stupid it's not stupid it's bizarre okay um michael rooker is in it looking foxy Ooh, um, he's always very, looking foxy to me very young michael rooker um Ooh. high recommend there this i think we did stream on netflix if okay. you've never watched it i think that you would like it I, i'm gonna put it on my list it's it was more enjoyable than i expected we were kind of occasionally like zach will pick like let's just watch this and goof on it like whatever and then i'll really get into it this this is one of them he thought he was it was going to be like complete throwaway cheese Mm -hmm. and i was like no this is good look at it look how good it is um so you should watch it i will i watched um life that movie with ryan reynolds how was that terrible yeah i had a feeling (laughs) based on the fact that like the cast was amazing and they were dropping it in february yeah. Um, so the cast was so good, and I'm really bummed that it wasn't better. But it did make me think, because you know how like space movies, and we've we brought this up when we talked about Sunshine. Um, space movies have typically more diverse casts, mm-hmm. 
because you're like, look at all these different people from different walks of life. And like, I got like pissed because in this movie, again, there's all these like awesome people of color characters and Mm -hmm. there's no, there's no black women. So I was like irritated. There's no black women in fucking space movies. So Zach said we should watch Supernova, which, um, has Angela Bassett in it, right? I'm wrong about that. I don't have it open in front of me. I don't know what that is. I, I don't have it open in front of me. Um, but if it is, if I'm right about what I'm saying, this is the most bizarre fucking movie I've ever seen in my oh. life. In a um, good way? I don't even know. I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, we, we did, we had to get this from the library because I couldn't find it anywhere. Yeah, it is Angela Bassett. I, for one split second, I thought I was completely wrong. It's also a James Spader movie. It was it was edited together with a chainsaw. It's so <laughs> bizarre. It's such a strange movie. But if you like like a weird group of people trapped in space, like where bad things start to happen to them, I think it's it's definitely something you should look at. I have written it down, so I will look into it. You should. Um, I watched XX, which I wanted to know if you saw. I did. Yeah, yeah. What'd you think? Obviously, some parts of it were stronger than others. That is the truth of almost every anthology ever. <laughs> I mean, I think that that you could just say that and walk away and be like, "I said a true statement." <laughs> um, it wasn't as great as I was hoping. Yeah, I wanted it to be better, but I uh, I enjoyed it enough where it wasn't just me forcing myself to enjoy it. Yeah. I thought all the segments were good. Some were way better than others. But even the weakest one to me was still better than like a lot of VHS, let's say. That's that's exactly what I said when it was done. Yep. Um, the weakest one for me, unfortunately, unfortunately, was the Melanie Linsky um, segment. And I that one grew on me. Like I couldn't quite decide where I stood on it. And I think that one is too long. I think the pacing is off on that. Yeah. Um, but that's a good point. Yeah. It's it's weird. It's such a, it's the weirdest one in there. I think. And I, I didn't, I enjoyed that one in its own um, weird way. So yeah, me too. So even if that's the weakest one, yep. the weakest parts of like the first VHS and are unwatchable to me. Uh, yes, they're complete garbage. Yeah. Also, how good was Karen Kusama's? Um, a fucking amazing. Oh my god, yeah. In her segment's a little, I think it's, it's probably the longest one. It might be like 20 minutes or 25 minutes. Is it the last one? It's the last one, yeah. It's the okay. mother who has... So who has a son? Who something is wrong with the yeah, son? Yeah, that was that. Yeah, that was the last one. And what? I'm trying to think. The, yeah. So, Jovana Yov- Vukovic, I think I said her. Jovanka Vukovic, I think <laughs> I, I said her name right. From from Room Org, is the was the first one, and that was the, the. Yeah. And then the second one was the Melanie Linsky one. The third one was the camping RV one. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth, yeah, okay, I couldn't. So I liked the the for me the. Third and the fourth were the best. Um, for me, the the Karen Kusama one I thought was just head and shoulders above everything. It, I just it was one. It told a complete story, it told which a complete I appreciated. Story. It built so much tension in that twenty twenty five minutes. I mean, it felt like the invitation to me, where I was holding my breath watching that one. I just thought it was so good. Um, I I liked the camping one. It, it didn't do anything crazy or different but i thought it was just solid good simple storytelling exactly there were a few like creepy things for me Mm -hmm. and i thought it was really well um 
and the, well executed. I think the woman who directed that has worked as like an art director on a bunch of VHS films. That I mean, it was really attractive. It was a very aesthetically pleasing yeah. segment. And, and I just find the... it fascinating that like the VHS has had how many segments now? Like what nine different segments, different chances, different chances mm-hmm. to have people direct things, and like. You had this woman there the entire time, but you never thought to give it to a woman. It's extremely strange. Mm-hmm. I I'm very fond of the second VHS, but the second one I I liked decently enough. Yeah, it's like get it together though. Yeah, I don't I don't understand how like it's fucking more than half the population. Yep. And why, when it comes to horror audiences, have... it's also probably more than half the population. So give me some fucking variety. Yep. And it is it is interesting. I think it was cool that all four had different tones, yep. different approaches, and it really showed like the versatility of like what like like a horror quote mm-hmm. unquote story could be. Yeah. Completely agree. Uh, so I, I really liked it. Um and wish that they would make them once a year. I wish there was a oh, new one. Awesome. Constantly. Yeah. I like it's so good. Some of them felt Twilight Zone y to me and sure. I appreciated that. Eh, I liked it. Zach was a little he really didn't like the Melanie Linsky one. And then like when I explained like he has an issue with tone. Sometimes if tone if the tone isn't what he's expecting. That's he fair. kinda he kinda shuts down. And that, that, and we'll- that one the tone is is I mean almost like hashtag horror. That one reminded yep. me of in a way. Yep. And I so I said it was. Do you think it was because the tone was a bit different than what you might have expected? And he said that's a good point. And then I made my case for it, and he was like, "Oh, I, you're probably right." Mm-hmm. So I think like if someone that one does strike someone weird, if you rewatch it, I, I don't think you'll have. As yeah, many if you kind of know what to expect, I think you would have a more positive experience on that one, mm-hmm. especially because it comes after the box, which is very straightforward and very yeah. serious and very dark. And then to go to this sort of weird, arty, black comedy bit, and then you're back to monster, and then you're to, like, real horror. It's, and yeah. that, I mean, that happens in every anthology that where you have different directors handling it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, yeah, it's kind of bound to happen, but it, it's, it makes sense for why that wouldn't connect. Yeah. Yeah, so I liked it. I mean, it's I, on Netflix, so if mm-hmm. people haven't seen people it, they should, should watch, it. watch it. Yeah. Um, I watched Tommyknockers, which I... <laughs> thought I had never seen but like come to find out I think I have <laughs> I just um, remember that all I remember kind of watching that as a kid I remember the dolls and I remember Jimmy Smith's ripping his tooth out of course you remember those things <laughs> that's it, it that that fucking thing um I don't know I guess I liked it it wasn't the hardest Stephen King miniseries that I've ever watched <laughs> there have um, been some hard ones that I, I like Tracy Lords in it a lot I like oh, yeah. some of the ideas are interesting. Even some of the execution is like kind of makes me feel nostalgic. But I, this that's another one I got from the library. I don't know if if it wasn't sitting there, I don't know if I would have ever agreed to watch it. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> oh boy, apparently I have to watch The Stand. The Stand, I've never You've never watched get, it? I've never gotten through like the first 20 minutes. Oh god, it's, you know, I mean, I watched it before I read the book. I watched it when it came out when I was in sixth grade and then I read the book. It does some things really well. It does so many things really poorly. <laughs> the And some of the casting is so off. Uh, Rob Lowe as Nick, no. Molly Ringwald is so miscast. Um, but it's 
I don't know. I, th- I think you might enjoy it. I will probably end up doing it because I have another one further down my list. Okay. Um, so I, another thing that I watched that might have been a suggestion, uh, streaming recommend for me was Masterminds. Um, was that the, uh, wait, okay. Tell me more about this movie. I remember the title. So it's like, like based on a true thingy, true crime thing with Zach Galifianakis and Kristen Wiig. Okay. Nope. Um, I'm thinking of like a kid's chess movie. Never mind. No. So this is like, this came out, let me look, 2016. So it's, it's fairly recent and it's like looked kind of like a slapstick, like over the top comedy with, you know, Zach Galifianakis and, and Kristen okay. Wiig in it. Okay. And, um, so I saw that it was streaming and I kind of just put it on as like a, I'm going to have this on in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's three people with writing credits on it. Two of them I've never heard of. And one of them is Emily um, Spivey. I think I'm saying her name right. And she's done a lot of work on TV that I've okay. really, really enjoyed. Like she's written for um, Last Man on Earth. Gotcha. Which is a show that I love. So the second I realized that she had had like writing credits on it, I was like, wait a second, is this movie going to be good? <laughs> it was actually really funny. Ah. It's streaming. So if you saw trailers for it come out and you were like, this looks dumb. Sure, maybe it is dumb and maybe you'll hate it, but it was way funnier than I expected. Okay. So that's a thumbs up on that. I will Let's keep see. that in mind. I watched the latest Triple X movie and I didn't like it. <laughs> but was that I the didn't... sequel to Double X? Yeah, no, it was the sequel from the Ice Cube Triple X movie. I know, I was being silly. Um, It worked. I don't <laughs> like Triple X. I don't like Triple X. I don't like Vin Diesel. Um, so crazy so, question I'm going to ask you. Why did, why did I watch the movie? <laughs> you anticipate well. <laughs> Is that the crazy question? That was the crazy question. Oh, so Zach loves these ah, types of movies. Okay. And I would definitely watch it because I was intrigued in the rest of the cast, which was really fucking amazing. Um, it's, it's the same. First of all, it's very similar to the most recent uh, Fast and Furious movie. But like the Fast and the Furious movies... Vin Diesel tricks me by surrounding himself with this interesting, diverse, cool cast. and But then I have to go and watch him. <laughs> like, I, I'm mad at him for he that. Trojan I don't, horses you? He Trojan horses you? He does. He's like, but guess what? You were watching a Vin Diesel movie, and I screamed to the heavens. <laughs> so, like, there's funny, cool, awesome things in this, because I love the people that are cast in it, and I think they're really funny, cool, and interesting. But, like, I don't know. It's it's this it's the movie that it is. I'm super glad I watched it because I I think it's a fun action movie. I just wish Vin Diesel would just like get these casts together and then go like eat a sandwich. <laughs> I wonder if there's like an alternate cut of the movie where it's oh all the stuff that while well, he was eating the sandwich. Yes, this is my exact review of the of the most recent Fast and Furious though too. <laughs> like it was great except when he was on screen. <laughs> except I when he wasn't eating sandwiches. I just don't. I don't. I don't. Not a fan. Um, but yes, I'm glad I watched it. Um, I watched Deja Vu for the first time. Uh, are you sure? I don't know. Oh, so, I don't know what Deja Vu is. I mean, I know what Deja Vu is. I just had it, but the Denzel Washington movie. Okay. It's a De- Denzel Washington movie. It's not new or anything. Um, I always thought it was like, going to be one of these like crime movies, kind of. You know, 
like the '90s, like Along Came the Spider, sure. Bone Collector, you know, the Ashley Judd genre of. I, I know what you're saying. Thing. Yeah. I thought it was going to be like that, where like Denzel wasn't sure, like if like this it all seems to have happened before, and like, but it's like a legit time travel, like going Ooh. back in time movie. That makes it more fun and more appealing. So, so I think that everyone should watch it if they haven't. Apparently, I'm late to the party, and people knew that this is what this movie was about. <laughs> but I, I, I have we have like HBO Go. It just kind of is on our TV. Okay. And so I was like, deja vu. I like the Bone Collector. I'll just put this on. <laughs> and and it was not that. Like it's. It's about this, like, fairy explosion, but then, like, he can, like, send himself back in time to, like, stop it. Okay. It's really with you. It's I'm interesting. Intrigued. Um, almost done. I watched Innocent Blood. Do you know about this movie? Again, the title sounds familiar, but I feel like I could be mixing it up with a lot of things. Right? It's a vampire, vampire movie. I was going to guess it was a vampire movie. It's not the Alyssa Milano one, is it? No, it's Landis's um follow up oh yeah 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 yeah. i've never seen it what did you think it's so good we should cover it oh my god it's fucking amazing was it where was it did you watch it um i got it from the library okay Okay. no i got it from scarecrow i rented it um i didn't we didn't have access to it apparently there's no great release of it Mm, got it which is shocking to me because i it was revelatory. I could not believe how good it was. Is it a comedy or is it a horror? Is it a horror comedy? It's. A, I would say it's a horror comedy. Okay. It's funny, but it's not like... I have heard top. it come up in interviews with Landis, where I've heard people talk about it, and I know he's really proud of it, but I just, probably because it's not readily available, I have never gotten around to it. It's funny and cute and, like, tongue-in-cheek and, like, interesting, but also... It's like a vampire movie. It's gruesome nice. and violent. I loved it. Cool. Um, so, and I think you might like it too. Okay. Cool. Um, uh, I watched Lost Highway because I haven't seen it since the theater. I've never seen it. Um, I'm not I, the biggest Lynch fan. I kind of, I'm, I'm hot and cold. I, I would say I love him, but... I, I can also say when maybe something's not for me. Sure. This one, I don't think necessarily. Well, there are interesting things about it, and there's, like, really cool interviews, and, and people have posited that it's mm-hmm. in the Twin Peaks universe. Um, like, I I think that's cool, and I think that's awesome, and there's really cool visuals and cool performances and stuff. Um, but it's definitely not anything that I, I'm passionate about. I would never fly the flag for for that movie. Okay, understood. I'm glad I rewatched it. Um, so, I watched The Langoliers. <laughs> oh, The Langoliers. Um, and I, ironically, probably my favorite King adaptation. Really? The effects are... You, you think you remember how bad the effects are? Oh, I remember then, how bad the effects are. But then you watch it and it's like, oh, a child drew this with crayons. <laughs> well, I remember reading, actually I have a really vivid memory of reading that story when I was at summer camp, when I was probably like mm-hmm. 11 years old. And I mean, like every Stephen King, anything, it ends poorly. But yeah. I remember being like thinking, this is great. Like this is like I want to see a movie of this because it's such it's a really cool concept I mean, and it's told love well. The concept. 
Yep. Yeah. And, and the monsters, I remember the way they're described. I'm like, I, I don't know how you would do that, but that's, but like, I could picture it. It sounds great. And then you watch the movie and there's Balky and there's like, it's like if you watch any cereal commercial where there's like the honeycomb man or the frog, <laughs> like, or the sun, yeah. like that's yep. what it, that's what the monsters ultimately look like if memory serves. Mm-hmm. Am I right about that? It's, they're like kind of like critters, but yes. with no hair. <laughs> Um, and and like they're you can still see the like, pixels, I think. They're like graboids, but if graboids weren't long. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but so they're bad. But <laughs> what was really bad is the is the digital bites they take out of things. <laughs> it's like the plane looks really fake. And it, like it's, so the, it's like cheap, cheap sci-fi quality, like sci-fi channel miniseries quality. It's it's really bad, but still, I and and this might just be me, and it might be mis- my nostalgia because Zach was bored out of his skull for through most of it. But <laughs> it I was like, hours shh, long. Shh, shh, shh. <laughs> no, stop, stop, rewind it, man. I didn't hear it. Like I was so <laughs> into it. I love the idea. Yep. I these are like some of my first memories of certain actors and its performances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just have a really weird relationship with this movie. My other favorite thing that I remember about that movie is so random, but I know I've quoted this out of context before is when they're, when they've like figured out like how to like their solution and the um, Australian guy is in the plane and he's seeing the lights. And I just remember him saying, Oh my God, it's beautiful. It's so bloody beautiful. <laughs> It's, I guess you could say it's not good. Fine, whatever. It's not good. But it's so good. I don't know. I'm just obsessed with oh, it. Oh, man. The I can't concept. wait for you to watch The Stand. Um, I think it's going to happen sooner rather than later. I, maybe I we think should I need cover to get The Stand coming up because that could be really fun to talk about. Okay, we can do that. Yeah, I, can, I, I, I need to get it from the library. Okay, yeah. That's where I get all my Stephen King miniseries. <laughs> they have all of them. Um, last thing worth talking about is 47 meters down oh you saw that i saw it and i i really liked it now how does it compare to the shallows um i i'm gonna say that i like the like the shallows more the shallows is fantastic because i thought it was it was a a more robust experience Mm. but this one has some really good like scares and some really interesting turns okay. and some really like like upsetting stuff like Ooh. like i'm i'm scared of water right to me it's that's right. scary you, you don't swim correct Mm-mm. no mm-hmm. so the shallows doesn't really deal with your fear of water it deals with your fear of, of shark by a shark yeah and like survival and stuff the 47 meters down as evidenced by its name is very much about being at the bottom of the ocean Ooh, okay yeah that that gets me too that's why i will so, never go on a submarine i've decided because yep, i think i would freak yep. out nope i don't i don't like it nope. so to me it's very akin to my feelings about space okay um and it really really fucking feeds into that um so i was like flailing and, sh- and shrieking nice. through most of it like waving my arms i think it's it's on vod still um, I thought it was just a theatrical release. I thought it got. Uh, I thought it was still. In, I thought it got released duly in VOD. Oh. I, I could be completely wrong, um, 
But I would recommend that you watch it when you can. Cool. cool. I could easily see it coming to streaming. Yeah, I was hoping to see it in the theaters um, with Jason because he's the best person in the world to see a movie like that with. But we just didn't oh, get a chance to. It was – there's so many shriekable moments. Oh, nice. So many people just like, ah! Like, like yeah, just, it's my favorite. Or like audible groaning. There's like a part with somebody's leg and yes. just audible groaning. It was nice. – yes. Um I watched other stuff. None of it's really worth talking about. Oh. I won't talk. I won't talk about this movie. But I will tell you, I watched a movie called Tiger House, and that's the movie that I <laughs> right was. Oh come time. on! How could you not talk about Tiger House if you're gonna if you're if you're gonna mention Tiger House? So, Tiger House is actually a home invasion movie Ooh. where there are no tigers. Oh, it's a metaphor. I think, yes, I think I watched it on Netflix. It's it's definitely streaming somewhere. It's got the girl that From was in Tiger Maze. House. <laughs> yeah, Tiger House. Um, like the girl that was in Maze Runner. If anybody saw that, oh, the girl um, that looks like Kristen Stewart. Yeah. Yes. She's in The Truth About Emmanuel, which is one of my favorite movies I've ever seen. Um, so she's in it, and that's kind of what made me watch it because she's like the badass who's like dealing with this home invasion with the tiger. That's not. Yeah, a real tiger. I mean. If you're, if there's no tigers in it, but wouldn't you think that Burning Bright would be called Tiger House? It should have been called Tiger House. This, I mean, (laughs) yes, I I think I, I don't even think that's a question. I think it's a rhetorical question because obviously. So honestly, I was like, oh, she's in this. Well, I'll watch it. But every time I saw it go by, like Tiger House, I would laugh and go like, (laughs) Burning Bright was about a tiger in a house. This took the title that Burning Bright should have had. Yeah, I wonder, maybe that's why. They already knew there was a Tiger House movie in development. (laughs) That's all I got. That's a lot. All right. Um, We've been, I've I've had a fair share of TV, or Netflix TV, I guess. We have, I think, two more episodes left in Glow. Haven't started it. Oh, God, it's so good. I have three intentions of watching it. It is fantastic. Um, I, I, I watched Glow as a kid because I, we, we had it, it was in our region, um, and my brothers were wrestling fans and I, when Glow came on when I was like five years old, I thought it was the most feminist thing in the world because it was female wrestlers and they didn't let females wrestle on my brother's show, but they let them wrestle on this one. Uh, and I understand now that it wasn't really made for me, but that's okay. Uh, (laughs) the series is great. Um, everybody is fantastic on it. It is it is not annoyingly 80s set. It doesn't do like the wedding singer thing of everybody having flock of seagull haircuts and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it does that very genuinely. It feels of that. It feels like it was made in the 80s. Uh, the cast is great. It's this great diverse cast of people, many of whom you've never seen before. Alison Brie is, is fantastic as she always is. Um, it's. I love it. I mean, granted, I still have two episodes left, so, you know, it could could shit the bed, as they say. Um, (laughs) I think they say that. I don't really know. But uh, highly, highly recommended. Wonderful, funny, engaging, great. Um, I did finish The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, season Mm -hmm. three. I liked it. This season wasn't quite, I think, as, like, tight as the first two, but I still enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, I look forward to seeing more, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Orange is the New Black. I finished whatever this season is. I think it was season four, the riot season, as you could call it. Mm-hmm. Have you watched any of this or no? Just not, not appealing to you? Orange is the New Black? Yes. No. No. It's, 
it's a hard show. To, I think it's a show that, like, if you didn't kind of get into it from the beginning, you no, you never will. And yeah. I think it's still this season was interesting because it it was it was a different way of doing a season. It was entirely set during this three day police uh, prison riot, and some of it was really good. And I like where it ended, and I think ultimately it worked. Mm-hmm. But it took a couple of episodes to get into. They still have a problem with balancing um, being a kind of goofy at times comedy with also telling these stories of women that aren't told. Um, That's just a constant issue the show has and probably always will. But um, overall, I like this season. This might have been one of my favorite seasons of the show. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's TV based. Then for film, did I talk about Sliver last time? Sliver, like... That movie? Yes. Sliver? The, the Sharon Stone, so. uh, William Baldwin Sliver. I haven't thought about that movie in a very long time. It so. is on Amazon Prime. <laughs> I can't say that I recommend watching it because it's really bad. And it, it, it's just, it's <laughs> like bad. Not good? What's that? Good at all? Um, No, not at all. Uh, it it tries really hard to be sexy it is just kind of ridiculous. It it entertained me because I like a good, like, steamy, erotic 90s thriller. But it's it's really bad. And the ending is ridiculous and it just ends and then you realize, wait, wait, we, where where are we that we ended here? Um, it I can't recommend it, but I found I, I enjoyed watching it, but it was a terrible movie. Uh <laughs> I'm gonna go watch it right now. You should. I think you would get enjoyment out of it, even though you would also say it was a really bad movie. Um, mm-hmm. A couple of horror films on Netflix Instant that I watched. One was called Shelley. Uh, oh, that's on my. It's on my list. I haven't watched it yet, though. Yeah, I'm really curious for you to watch it. It's. It has a great poster. The poster is very like Rosemary's yeah. Baby esque. And it's um, it's it's well made, very well acted, beautifully shot. It is about a um, couple in somewhere I think in Denmark, and they have this woman from Romania come to live with them as their housekeeper. And the couple cannot have children because the the woman has tried but had um, like a, a miscarriage, and then like it was very bad. She, you know, she can't have kids. But so she basically says to this uh, housekeeper we will buy you a house. We will give you all the money you need if you serve as my surrogate and carry my child. And of course, some very bad things are afoot. Um, I, I couldn't decide if I liked this movie or not. Because oh, okay. it's... It sounded overwhelmingly positive until that. Well, it's it's a good concept. It's, again, it's it's a really beautifully shot and well-acted film. I think the the two women are great in this movie. And they're they're giving very interesting, um, challenging performances where there's a lot behind it, and you don't you're still like by the end of the film, I wasn't sure, and I've been thinking about this and going back and forth in my head, and I don't know how much this one character knew. And the problem is, it kind of does that thing that um, another movie on my list did, where it kind of ends just as you're like, oh, we're getting interesting, oh, we're over, oh, okay. It's <laughs> it is it was all about kind of the buildup. Um, maybe had I known that going in, I might have been, I might have left it with a more positive feeling because instead I it ended and I kind of was annoyed. 
but uh-huh. but it sat with me and the more i think about it like i'm still thinking about it and i think it did do something interesting and it it has stayed with me so it's like a mild recommend i think okay um a, oh, oh god a movie that is so not a recommend i watched a fucking terrible piece of shit net- netflix horror film called <gasps> intruder okay I, you've probably seen this go by too it's like a woman in bed yeah. and there's a figure behind her and it's you know it's a popular name for a film but this is a netflix film from 2016 uh the other way you would know which one this is this is the one with a supporting role played by moby huh okay well i've definitely not seen it i think this one was filmed in portland it is set in portland so it was probably filmed there oregon um this is about um a young woman who is a cellist who's very pretty just a normal woman who plays a cello and stuff and she's going through her weekend as a normal woman does uh and meanwhile somebody has been stalking her and has snuck into her house and is following her around the entire time Mm -hmm. good concept um sounds good you know again strong production values you know for probably a small budget like it looks good the acting is mostly good um the the lead is very attractive and i think she's she's likable um but this movie pissed me off so hard (gasps) why well because again nothing happens in the movie and you keep kind of you're like okay we're kind of building something here but nothing's happening and then you get to a point where you realize these are the the most non-observant people i have ever seen in a movie Mm-hmm. Like, I get that, you know, you're establishing, like, oh, he's in the house, but she doesn't know it. Isn't that creepy? You know, it was creepy until um, he killed, he stabbed somebody and puts him under the bed, and somehow there's no blood whatsoever. It was creepy until he pees in her sink, and we see her the next day at her sink pouring cereal, and she doesn't smell urine in the sink. Yeah. Um, and then the movie ends, and you're like, oh, okay, that was abrupt and unsatisfying. And then the credits start, and then two minutes later, we get a coda that okay. actually ends the movie, which, first of all, what the, why, why would you do this? I don't know. It's a stupid decision, because there are many people, unlike me, who aren't going to sit through credits for a shitty movie. Correct. Um, so then you get your actual ending, which is just one of those, oh, and I, I, I'm not, I don't really want to spoil it, but I'm going to kind of spoil it. Oh, hey, we've, wa- we've let you watch this woman and get to know her for 90 minutes, and we've, you know, really gotten into who she is and her future and all of that and now um without giving her any chance to even understand what's happening or to fight back spoiler alert for this terrible movie intruder oh now he's just gonna put a plastic bag over her head and kill her after the credits of this movie that i just spent 90 minutes watching why would they choose to to structure it that way it was baffling it was absolutely baffling um i i like was at a loss for words for how angry this movie made me because it really just felt like, okay, you could maybe you were trying something with structure, that's fine, mm-hmm. but you weren't a good enough movie to do that. You weren't a good enough movie to be all about tension and then no payoff. So then what, you decided to throw in one of those like blatantly cruel, mean payoffs at the very end of your movie? Which, and this is also, like, I think I've said, like, I've been a little more sensitive lately to movies that just end on a really mean note. I don't appreciate a movie investing me in a character and then just kind of very casually killing them in the very last scene. And this movie does that, but it does it in such a um, ridiculous, laborious way 
because you've spent 90 minutes just watching every moment of this woman's life. And now you're just going to kill her in 30 seconds after the credits of your movie. It was just infuriating. Um, so don't watch it. Is what don't I'm watch saying. it. Uh-huh. Yeah, but I just wanted to get that off my chest because it really pissed me off. Mm-hmm. Um, this is probably why the movie I watched after this I really enjoyed. I don't know if it was that good or if it was just that it was so much better than Intruder. Mm-hmm. And this was. Uh, <laughs> oh, you love that happens. Not that like, a lot. Comparison. <laughs> Seriously, um, the girl in the photographs. This also has been. Oh, you've seen, I'm sure you've seen a poster go by. I haven't watched it, but that director did something. Is that the 47? What? Let me look it up. You talk, and then okay. I'll interrupt you. Sorry. Um, no, no, that's okay. It's it, it's a good cast, and a couple of, like Catherine Isabel has a cameo at the very beginning. Oh, love it. Yeah, Mitch Pelagi is in it as like the worst cop you've ever seen in a movie, uh, and most importantly, Cal Penn is in this movie. Oh, really? No. He here's the thing. Okay, here's the thing. There is an art to to having an unlikable character in your movie, right? Mm-hmm. Like, especially a horror movie, where it's easy enough, like, I think a lot of filmmakers think, oh, we need to have, like, the insufferable jerk in the movie so that you're rooting for his death and that you're, like, really happy when he dies. Mm-hmm. That's fine if you've made him interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. It's not fine if he's just insufferable. And yep. so in this, this is a movie about um, this young woman in South Dakota who... Uh, keeps finding photographs of women being murdered. And mm-hmm. the cops won't do anything about it. Um, and she's convinced, like, this means something. Obviously, somebody is sending me these pictures. Somebody is, like, these women are probably really dying. And meanwhile, Cal Penn is a fashion photographer who finds out about this and decides he's going to go to this town and he wants to, like, recreate these pictures and everything. And Cal Penn plays the most insufferable fashion photographer and like every fashion photographer is always like a dick in movies yeah like think of like neon demon but times 10 yeah it's it's a weird it's a weird thing i the minute you started talking about that i thought of eyes of laura mars yep i thought of the sentinel oh yeah uh, yeah yeah. because they're always (laughs) these like sleazy kind of you know heterosexual artists Yeah. yeah and he is brilliant in this part he is such an asshole but he is a such a particular i mean he is just hipster to the max and he is awful but it's clear that everybody knows he is and it's clear that the movie understands exactly what he is and i can't honestly i can't tell with this movie because i was disappointed by the end of this movie i was disappointed because I felt like it, ha- like, I was so invested in this movie, and I liked most of the cast. Um, I thought it looked pretty good. I was into it, and it just felt like the directing and the acting was just much better than what the script ultimately had going for it. Mm-hmm. Like the script just didn't quite serve the potential it had after the fact. Uh, and so it's, like, again, it's one of those movies that, like, ultimately I'm like, ah, like, it, it misses the mark, but I had a really good time watching it. Okay, so I'm definitely going to watch it now. Okay. Because um, it, I've, it's gone by a million times, and so he, there's a writing credit on that. This is, this yes. is why I, it has recently come up for me. Yep. By Osgood Perkins, or Oz Perkins. Um, he, he has a written by credit. Yes. Um, 
and I have not seen his also, films yet. He did. He um, also did the Black Coat's Daughter. Yes, which, which is on Amazon now. I think I just watched. I didn't talk about it. It was one of the ones I skipped. I guess that's saying something. Mm. I am. Tr- I try to be kind when I talk about it. I didn't. It wasn't for me. Okay. But there is, if you got me in the right circumstance, I would say very mean things about it. Mm, I thought there were aspects of it that were, were flat out insulting. Did but, you see the um, I Am the Pretty Thing That Lives in the Walls? Or that, whatever it is? That's the thing. I Am the Pretty Thing That Lives in the House. That's him too, which is something that I, like four or five people have come to me and said, oh, Christine, this is your kind of movie. Mm. Still haven't watched it though. Okay. Interesting. So I don't know, but uh, people have said to me that I'm surprised you didn't like Black Coat's Daughter. Maybe they I just don't, don't know, know if you. It's, maybe because if it's slower paced contemplative horror with a woman, they think I'm going to like it. <laughs> but it also has to be like good. That that does help generally. Yeah, it's oh, it's a screenplay with like three different writers on it, and I well, the screenplay would just you is, recommend I think this? Is, I would because I think like it's it's a dumb horror film but made a little better than your average dumb horror film. And I found it entertaining because I found the Cal Penn stuff just funny and it had me laughing and it had me like rooting for him to come back on screen. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I think again, you might do that thing that I do a lot where at the end of the movie, you're like, it wasn't a good movie, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll definitely, I think I'm going to look at it because I I think there's parts of Black Coat's Daughter that are interesting, and I should watch I'm the Pretty Thing That Lives in the House because I like that actress. I can't think of her name, um, and and it does seem like it would be up my alley. So I would like to look at it. Um, and you're saying this this one isn't completely irredeemable. So I, I would mean, again, it's like entertaining, it. and and I feel like this is yeah. also not um, based. I haven't seen either of those films, but based on what I know of them, this just feels like a 180. This is. Yeah. This is a horror, this is a slasher about, um, I don't want to give too much away, but like this is kind of essentially a slasher. Okay, uh, then, right, I'll look at it. Uh, While I was checking IMDb, I got a Twitter notification. <gasps> Apparently at San Diego Comic-Con, Innocent Blood has um, is going to get a Blu-ray release. Hey, they, they right. announced that. So, so, look at live updates. That, that, you look at us. We first. are hip. So, we are hip to it. So now that that's out on Blu-ray soon, eventually, I don't know, whenever you listen to this, people should watch it. And when, well. when it comes on Blu-ray officially, uh, we'll cover it. How's that? Yay! Okay, another Netflix instant horror film I watched. I was in a particular mood, obviously. Um, this one I, this one was another... Uh, clearly. Stupid, this was a stupid movie, but it did exactly what it, what it was supposed to do, and I tip my hat to it. Uh, it was called The Windmill. And this okay. is a movie set in uh, Amsterdam. And a bunch of different people end up on a tour bus of windmills. And the tour bus breaks down. And it turns out the windmill is haunted. And there's a demon giant guy who kills people who have sinned. Mm-hmm. And maybe they can redeem themselves or else they're going to get killed by the windmill guy. Um, this, I mean, this is a stupid movie about people getting killed at a windmill. Noah Taylor is in it, so it's hey, 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 ladies. Um, I, I find him in my own weird way. Uh, the it, it's actually it's a decent cast. Like a couple of the actors looked familiar. I, apparently, he was the only one that I actually knew. But the cast is good. It's diverse, which is nice. Like it's they're all from different countries, basically. Um, the gore is really good. It's kind of goofy gore. 
um, which I know for some people is kind of a turn off. It does that thing where like a guy's standing there and all of a sudden, you know, his head gets chopped off type thing and you see the head and that always is funny. You can't do a decapitation mm-hmm. without making somebody laugh. Um, so it's, it's a very particular, it goes for something particular, but it worked for me. I enjoyed it. This, this movie does not have pretensions about being about mm-hmm. anything other than people dying in a windmill. Uh, a good double bill. Oh, I mean, that's that's a really that's an insane premise. People dying in a windmill. Like we're on a windmill tour. Well, that's the thing. It just <laughs> it feels like some studio somewhere was like, "Hey, we need to let's uh, we need to like make a couple more horror films. What do we got going? I don't know. Like, what's something that nobody's done with horror? Windmills? Yeah, that. Let's do that." Yeah. And spoiler alert, I don't think a windmill actually kills anybody. Like, I don't think anybody gets decapitated by a windmill. Oh, that's a shame. It's like the dude at the windmill that is killing people. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, hey, if you like windmills and you like horror, have I got a movie for you. <laughs> uh, you and, of course, you can pair the windmill up with um, another Netflix instant film. Now, this one I watched because, um, I don't know, my friend named Christine recommended it a while back. What is it? It's Paddington. Oh, yay! Yeah, this is cute. So, what'd you think? It's adorable. Isn't it great? It's really cute. And it's very funny. It's very, like, it has, like, a nice, like, British sensibility to it that I think is very charming. Nicole Kidman is fantastic. I want a spinoff of her as that villain. She's so very good. Yes. I'm so glad you watched it. Yeah, I watched most of it at the gym. Actually. I, I just watched all of. Oh, good! I watched all of Big Little Lies, which has Nicole oh, Kidman yeah. in it. Um, she's just astoundingly good. Yeah. Every time I think of her in a performance, I get happy, and I I just loved her in this movie. And she's like a big part. It's mostly about that bear, which is fine. But um, <laughs> she's just so fun in it. It's a really fun, cute movie that makes me wish I had a kid that I could show it to. It's a it's a good family movie because it, it is one that like I think is purely entertaining for kids because it is like there's an animated bear and there's wacky things, but it's very clever without being like talking over anybody's head. Like it's just it's an, it's a smart smart kids movie. Yeah. Wow. Oh. Uh, okay, I just have a <laughs> few more. One of which was um. A movie that I recorded off a of TCM a while back, and I had had on my list forever because it always comes up on like best of lists. And it was one of those movies I'm like, I'm never going to watch this movie because it's I think it's long and it's it's not in English, and it's very visual. So I feel like I have to like stop everything and watch it. And it's it's uh, in the mood for love by Wong Kor Wong Kar Wai. Okay. Uh, and then I was talking to one of our listeners, John, who had mentioned like we were talking about this movie. He's like, you know, it's actually not as um like what's the word like it's not as daunting as i think um a lot of people think it is because it ends up on all these lists like you think it's one of those like oh i have to stop everything and sit down and you know it's gonna drain me but it's really like this very small story it is about a um woman and man who are both married to other people and they're living in like a shared apartment complex and they find Mm -hmm. out that their spouses are having an affair with each other so they sort of, they basically fall in love, but have decided, oh, we're not going to, we're not having an affair. Like, we're not like them. We're better than that. Uh, we're just, for whatever reason, we're bonding and spending time together. But it's obvious that they are in love and meant for each other. So there's, you know, all of these scenes are just charged with this tension and this 
longing that's just never acted upon and it's beautiful the movie is stunning uh and it's i could see i I get it like i could see why it ends up on these best of lists because it does some really special things by taking this very small story and just giving it this weight and doing it in a from a like filmic point of view in a way that you've never seen before so i do recommend Mm -hmm. it um, and then I just have some documentaries, okay. one of which was called City 40, which is on Netflix. It is a Russian documentary about a city in Russia that um, back in, during the Cold War was where they were uh, basically had plutonium, plutonium factories and where they were trying to build bombs. And the city itself was not on the map. It was a secret city. People, But people lived there and people worked in the factories and came home to their families. And... Uh, uh, as you might expect from a city that was built around plutonium, um, people have get sick. Um, it's clear that this was not; these were not the right conditions for people to live in. And this is kind of about people today trying to bring awareness to that. Um, mm-hmm. It's not; it's it's kind of dry as documentaries go. If the topic is not of interest to you, this is not going to be. Of interesting documentary um, for me because I lived in Russia and because I find anything nuclear based interesting I found it interesting um, but I would probably not recommend it unless those things really interest you uh, oh, okay and then these will probably come up as we talk about the movies but I watched on Amazon Prime the two documentaries about Eileen, Eileen Wuornos Eileen the selling of a serial killer and Eileen the life and death of a serial killer are both I watched half of one. Which one do you remember? Um, the one that the cover, the like the the thumbnail picture is not of her. Okay, was it the one that with where you meet, like spend a lot of time with her lawyer, the hippie stoner guy? I think so. Yeah. Okay. I that... I, I like I said. I think I think I only got like forty five minutes into it. Gotcha. Um, I didn't have a chance to finish it. Yeah, they're. I mean, they're they're both interesting um and make a really you know when you watch monster and then go to these it's illuminating in a lot of different ways and we'll we'll get into that but if they're entertaining in their own horrid um sad very tragic ways so that's that um all right so those were the movies and television shows we have been watching why don't we take a break let's want to do monster first since that chronologically came first I can't hear you, so I'm going to assume that's a yes, and we'll take a break and fix our recording devices. She said yes! (laughs) She said yes! yes. Yay! Okay, we'll be back.
Okay, 2003, Patty Jenkins decided to make a film about Eileen Wuornos, sometimes known as America's first female serial killer, um, a term that is probably kind of stupid for a lot of reasons. Uh, But why don't we start with a synopsis of the film, Christine? Okay, so this is a little old snapshot, it seems, because... The chronology of this film makes it seem like it happens over like a few months' time, but what I gathered from any reading or watching that I did, it was this was stuff that happened over years' time, like five years or something. Um, I don't know; I could be wrong. You, you're the expert; you'll tell me. You, but yeah, I think I think you're closer to it. I think the film. It's funny because to me, when I'm watching the movie, like I thought it was like two weeks. And yeah, then, it, yeah, and then, like, you're listening, when I watch documentaries, it's like, no, no, yeah, this was, like, probably, like, yeah, it was a couple of years. Yeah. Um, so it really does feel like this, this, almost like a fishbowl, like, yeah. ready to boil over of, like, these two people, me, you you meet Lee, who's played by Charlize Theron, she meets... Um, Selby. Christina, yeah, Selby's, Christina Ricci's character, and they have this really volatile but at points sweet mm-hmm. um relationship and um you know to get cash and and resources um lee decides to start killing men in lieu of actually um performing sex work um which you know to each their own i guess um under the guise of that she they were raping her going to rape her or they were bad people that is at least the story that the movie gives you yeah the movie seems to go pretty close to what eileen wornos originally said so one of the really interesting things when you watch the documentaries is um how her story changed Um, because initially she basically said very similar to the movie the first man Richard Mallory raped her and then was going to kill her Mm -hmm. and that she killed him in self-defense yep and the film plays it that way completely yeah it's very disturbing very upsetting it it is and it's also it's it's disturbing and it's also again and this is something I think we both saw when we saw Wonder Woman it also feels as though it was directed by a woman who understands how you show sexual assault without glamorizing it or making it sexy in any way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so based in, in the, again, in the documentaries, she says this, this happened. What you find out in the documentaries is that that guy uh, had been in prison for attempted rape. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those like, okay, this, this certainly gives credence to your story. And that after that, her story kind of goes up and down of the rest of the men. Um, at times, she said they all tried to rape her or they were all bad men and she killed them in self-defense. Um, she then at other times said, no, he was the only one that tried to kill me. Um, later, towards the end of her life, before she was executed, and again, this is stuff outside the movie, this is from the documentary, is she became, I mean, there is a lot of question marks of her state of mind and if she was sane. Mm-hmm. And you watch, when you watch, especially her interviews later, you start to see, like, no, she she is no longer sane, probably, towards towards the end, after being on death row for 10 years, after being in prison now for this long. 
and she became very paranoid, possibly rightfully so, that the police were out to get her, that the police had motives. Um, some cops did go to jail or were, um, you know, re- removed from the force, whatever, because it turns out there were cops that basically during her trial or initial trial had like were making deals with movie studios that there were dirty cops who were selling the rights to her life that were selling information. Um, so there was, there was something going on and she, she claimed during her years on death row that she was being abused by cops, that, um, she was being mistreated. Mm -hmm. And then at one point towards, she had, she basically had to go on trial for each murder individually. So every of, I think it was seven or six, six men, but she killed and she would have a trial like two years later she'd have to go back to trial even though she already had a death sentence for the first one she had to go back and get you know so then she pled guilty in part because she had a terrible lawyer but then she goes back for counts three and four and Mm -hmm. at a certain point she started to say no none of them none of them tried to rape me i killed them all in cold blood i did it for the money and she held on to that story towards the end although it's she also kind of says in here and there like yeah no i'm saying this wink wink i'm just saying this because i'm tired of dealing with the cops and i don't want them coming after me and and she even it seems like based on the documentary got scared that if she started if she went back to her original story uh that they would then she she got to a point where she wanted to be executed she wanted to die Mm-hmm. And she kept seeming, see, it seems as though she kept getting to a point where she realized if she told the truth, then she'd go back to trial because it might have been self-defense or that then the cops would get mad because this goes against the story they were selling. That So it's, I mean, it is a crazy case where clearly nobody fully knows or some, whoever fully knows is not saying it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the movie seems to play with what is probably the closest to to reality which is the first guy was by all accounts a rapist um she may very well have killed herself in self-defense or killed him in self-defense and then afterwards it was more opportunistic that's that's kind of what i got both in the film and in you know in uh from the documentaries yeah in the film there's definitely shades of her looking for the men to be awful yeah definitely um like seeking that out like i think the first her first um interaction after the 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 real terrible actual rape um was the guy who wanted to her to call call him daddy yeah and she was like are you a pedophile (laughs) yeah and it's it's clear that it's it's this thing that and even her sexuality in the film is explored in a way that's kind of this is a woman who and I mean this comes up in the film and it's true to documentaries she was being molested and raped all throughout her life Mm -hmm. she was 13 and had a child and then she was she was probably being um, by all accounts it seems as though her grandfather who was raising her was um, sexually abusing her she's 13 she has a child um she's you know kicked out of her house she's you know she becomes a hooker because what the hell else is she going to do and because it seems to become something that's just you know she 
it's the only it, to an extent it's one of the only things she has that she can get monetary uh compensation mm-hmm. for and when your life is that way it's i imagine hard to fall in love <laughs> um in in the film she basically seems to um the film kind of treats it not as much as she discovers she's gay as much as she meets somebody who happens to be a woman who happens to be the first person that is maybe treating her in a way that she wants to be treated. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in the in real life, it seems as though it, something similar, but over a period of time where at a certain point she um, started dating women. Um, the woman that Selby is based on uh was i think her was not her first lesbian relationship but i think was she had considered her the love of her life mm-hmm. um and so yeah then she meets somebody that suddenly you know changes everything about her her life and her being and she meets this woman that she wants to make happy and she wants to be the provider for and the only way she can do that is sadly by killing men yep yeah, uh... it's, it's from what I watched. Like I said, I didn't get a chance to finish that documentary, but it does seem like this is not like a not that it's not accurate to the story, but it definitely takes the facts and turns it into a cohesive hour and 40 yeah. long minute story. Yeah, I think it it does do some uh, in order, like to, it streamlines a lot of it, I think. Um, and again, it does. It feels like this is happening over like a couple of months. Where yeah, in real life, it was years. And it gives it a very um, almost tradi- in a lot of ways. This is a very traditional film, right? It, it's even narrated. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious what you thought of the narration. I was fine with the narration mm-hmm. um i sometimes well not sometimes a lot of the times i don't like narration but i find that i don't like narration when they're it's in films that are adaptations of of books and i feel like it's almost like cheating the only way that we can know what this person right we can actually get the same thing as we did out of the book is to have the narration but i really do feel like it anchored it as lee's story mm-hmm. Because of the narration. Yeah, and what uh, the reason it, it worked for me, I think, is because this is a character that is not articulate. She Because she doesn't, you know, I mean, she's not educated. And she doesn't, I think, usually have the chance to say um, really what's deep in her mind. So it kind of, it worked for me as like, well, you know... I can't imagine how else I would hear this character talk about this moment in her childhood or yeah. talk about like her dreams. It, nothing would, there's no way to do that organically. So to do it as narration, yeah, that worked. It, it, it worked for me. Yeah. Um, I, I, I did, I did enjoy it as well. It, it, it gave, I know like the whole point of narration is to give insight into that character, sure. but you're, you're right. How, the movie, I think it's clear that what she's doing is wrong in the movie, but yeah. the movie never goes out of its way to pass judgment or or vilify, even if even if she is a villain because she is, you know, killing innocent people. Um, so I think having the narration also does a bit of humanization 
like, this is a person that maybe was, like, not in her best mind, that wasn't making good decisions, yeah. that has had a history of trauma. Like, I think it, I think it really worked. Yeah, I mean, this, this is a woman who never had a chance. And, you know, gr- granted, there are other people who never had a chance, who, who don't grow up and kill six men. But as much as I guess some of it's like I guess the prop the problems I have with the movie as I think about like you know what works what doesn't work it's almost that what doesn't work is that it does feel almost too clean in a way mm-hmm. we're like you're right it is I, I guess I'm comparing it in my mind maybe because you because we talked about Michael Rooker earlier in the episode yeah. I think of Henry portrait of a serial killer which is telling I mean, these films are not, in many ways, they are totally different films of different genres, of trying to do different things for its audience. Um, But there is something to a film like that and how structurally it's done in such a way that's so messy and kind of um, uh, disorganized, I guess, in a way, where it works for that story. And here, where it does feel like it's such an arc that I think... That might be the 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 thing that I think holds it back a little bit. I think this is a great performance, but I don't think it's a great movie. And I, I don't have I can't think of how you would do it better necessarily because I think so much of this movie came down to the performance. Um, yeah, and, and I I can't figure out what to how to fix that. But maybe it never had to be fixed. Maybe there was no way of. Um, Certainly, I don't think it would have been as successful if this did something a little more out of the box as far as its structure goes. Yeah, I I think to kind of echo, like, I th- did you use the word clean? I think I might have. I don't know. I'm not sure, but that's like... We'll have to check the tapes. So I think you did. And if you didn't, like, whatever word you did use made me think of that word. But, like, it's not a gritty... For all intents and purposes, I mean it is. But also, look look who's talking about this movie. It's us who've seen gritty, yeah. gr- like dirty, nasty, mean movies. This isn't a mean movie. It's, it's restrained in a lot of ways. But I think that's just the... St- yeah, it's just the story that we got. The telling of the story that we got. It wasn't a really sensational movie. Like... Right. I mean, not sensational in the way, like, it was sensational. But I mean, like, we didn't, we weren't like, like, well, what? I can't believe she did or said this. It was like, it felt like it was being, uh, I think if you were to do a sensational telling of this, there the the sex would have been a lot more lurid. It sure. wouldn't have been, there were, there are moments between the two of them that are very sweet. Yep. Um, but it would have been, it would have been maybe leering, maybe a little vulgar. But because, like, the sex and the relationship is treated in a restrained way, to have everything else be treated in a different way would have felt like it was it had tonal issues. True. Very true. So I think it's – I think – and I was happy at the fact that um, her prostitution, her, her, her sex work was treated with respect and that it wasn't yeah. – it wasn't cheapened. Um they could have they could have thrown in so many fucking throwaway lines yep. that would have just changed the tone. It wasn't it wasn't judgmental. Nope. Um Sel, Selby thinks it's it's neat. 
that mm-hmm. I mean, I get that this is a traumatized person that has been raped and that maybe got into sex work because she felt like that's all she was good for, and that's never a good thing. Sure, but but to dehumanize her for that choice like look people wait tables because they feel like that's all they can do or that's all they have the opportunity to do to shit on somebody for that is not the right way so i was kind of apprehensive going into this like Mm -hmm. is this going to make me want to burn down a building because i i haven't seen it in a very long time but like with the the care and the respect and the tact that i think a lot of it's handled with is it was really really refreshing to me again she's killing people which is not a nice person thing to do but i don't think we're left feeling like she was a fucking hero blasting away men. no no yeah i because i think the film is so um very deliberate about that in how it handles the victims yeah because you have the first guy who's a fucking monster then you have the next guy who again this is a woman who's grown up being being sexually abused so when this guy says call me daddy for her it's like yeah he's he's probably a fucking child molester he deserves mm-hmm. to die and then you get um you know you get another guy who seems everything seems fine but you know again in her mind she is able to justify you know but he probably deserves to die yeah and then when you get to Scott Wilson uh, yes, 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 yes. Yep. It is so, at that point, because, you know, you've, you've been with this woman now for an hour and 20 minutes. This this is, even though, you know, you know she's doing wrong things, you're, you're probably on her side by this point. And then she meets this man who is clearly not a bad guy, who is mm-hmm. right from the beginning a nice guy who didn't even pick her up as a hooker, picked her up for a ride, is absolutely saying, I want to help you. Please take my money. You know, do not do this. You don't have to do this. And it's also, it's Scott Wilson. I mean, I love Scott Wilson. So it's also like, oh God, I forgot that she killed Scott Wilson. And, and I think also because at this point you see that she knows it's wrong by this point. Yeah. And there is no way she can justify this one. But this is where she has no choice. He's seen her. He's seen her gun. There's no way out of it at this point. And I think it's really important for the film to do that and do that the way it does. Because it keeps you from ever staying on her side. At this point, Mm -hmm. you, you can't go back to her after that. You can still now empathize and understand why she did what she did for the other five guys. But when she, because I mean, you also get her not doing it when she, when Pruitt Taylor Vince picks her up. Yep. And you know, you know, she's all ready to kill him, and then she realizes, oh God, this this guy is, you know, is is probably is, is a virgin, is possibly um, mentally challenged. There, you know, and she makes the moral choice at that point that she is not going to kill him. Mm-hmm. So then, an hour later, six months later, however long it is she's given in a sense the same choice and she makes the wrong one and i think it's very smart on the films um from the film's point of view to do that because it keeps you from walking out of the theater and saying that poor woman she didn't deserve this because you know by then like no she this was her choice and i think um i don't know if Patty Jenkins ever met Eileen Warnos, but I think she, they did communicate. 
I think she they might have written each other letters because I know like she did have some relationship with her where she did know her somehow personally, but I don't know that she actually met her. Um, so there was because from a filmmaker point of view, when you come into this, you know you're making you've decided I'm interested in this woman's story. I you know I've, I've got the right actress to tell the story. But you also are telling a story that involves the death of six real men. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure when you watch the documentaries, you see some of the victims' families, and they all just, mm-hmm. none of them have sympathy for Warnos, and they all just, you know, say fry her and everything. And I'm sure there was some controversy on their end when this movie came out. But I, I think Jenkins handles that aspect very well. Yeah, I, I, I do too. I don't have one negative thing to say about it yeah. to be honest yeah uh it's also nice to see it, bruce dern show up i was just gonna say i you forget like the, the, the you mentioned two of them but you you i forgot these people showed up in this yeah movie. this has a really good cast because i mean because um, you do all the, the men especially like you get bruce dern <laughs> in such a great bruce, bruce dern role oh so likable i was i don't know why but like every time he showed up i was like super worried for him like oh my god <laughs> everyone stay away from him he's fine <laughs> don't kill bruce Stern, please he still needs to win an oscar uh he's he's great because what's nice about it is it gives you this relationship which i mean i have no idea if this this is based on reality or not but i think it's important and i wonder if jenkins specifically put this character in there so that it wasn't so that you couldn't then just look at this movie and say because I think a lot of this in when when these killings came out a huge part of the sort of scandal and you know media frenzy was the fact that she was a lesbian and she was killing mm-hmm. men and you know what a specific story that made especially in the late 80s of you know oh this man hating lesbian who went on a murder spree because she hated men and so I think, I feel like the Bruce Stern character is there specifically to give her a male character to kind of show, like, oh no, see, she does have a male friend. Yeah, but even at the end, when he's oh, trying to warn yeah, her, yeah. she's like, not you, not you. Like, she's so, yep. this character, and I don't know about the real woman, but this character that we're shown is so ready to to just except that every man she comes yeah. in contact with wants to do her yep. harm it's it's heartbreaking because that's the shame of the scott wilson character is that in in that scene you just think you know if he if he had been the second guy mm-hmm. she might have stopped if he had been you know the, the guy that picked her up before the guy that said call me daddy she might have realized what she was about to do and how fucked up it was. Mm-hmm. But instead, he gets to her after all of this has gone down. Not to mention all the Selby stuff, which we'll talk about, but that it's just one of those, like, oh, you're a good man who came into her life too late. Yeah. Yeah. It's in, it is, it does paint like a really full picture of, of where her emotional state was at that point. Like, I mean, sure, there she was being opportunistic, and she was she was stealing from these people that she was murdering, and that clearly was partial motivation. But I do think that in the character that we're shown again, there's a rationalization mm-hmm. of Absolutely. like, well, this person's awful, yeah. so that's why I'm killing them because they are going to hurt me. Yes, or this guy probably has molested little girls. Yeah, because yep. I know what that's like. Yeah, like you get the sense, and because she does, and so when she makes that that 
kind of moral, um, you know, uh, judgment on the character, you know, to her point of view, you can understand why she does it, and it it makes sense. Um, But then when, and, but it's important, because when you get to Scott Wilson, you know that she knows it's wrong at that point, and isn't, you know, that the most important thing when you're, I guess, prosecuting somebody is, were you aware of what you were doing? Mm -hmm. And the film is very specific that, yes, she was. Yep. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Selby. Mm-hmm. Um, so what did you think of Christina Ricci and this romance and all of that? I loved her. I think she's really good, but it's the kind of performance that I think could be interpreted as being really bad. Really? I guess I guess I could see what you're saying. I never really... Like, I don't recall them being good the first time I watched this, but maybe just because I wasn't looking for that. I wasn't really dialed in at the time. But I just think she's really sweet and really charming, but also awful. Yeah, that's the thing (laughs) that I think is so important is that she she is, is, I mean, you know, the movie's called Monster. In a way, you're like, Selby was kind of a fucking monster. Yeah, she's... She's manipulative. Yeah, very much. Um, and and it's little things. And I mean, maybe if you weren't looking for it, you could just write it off for what it was at face value. She got involved with this person that was killing people. But like, and I think in the documentary, they say that the person she was based on did know. Yeah. But like, like she knew. She she knew. She knew. And she yeah. and she then she did know. And and she was manipulative. And she. It's tough, though. I mean, I guess if I did have one criticism, because this movie feels as though it takes place over, like, anywhere between two weeks and two months' time, sometimes it does feel like she was she was into her so fast, and then she was, like, over her. Very quickly. I agree. Very quickly. Yeah. If, if, it, if, I, if it was framed in, like, I know you maybe couldn't tell the story as efficiently, sure. but if it was framed over a five-year period of time... That that turn would have made more sense, but yeah, in the movie, I agree. As as we experienced it, made her seem even worse. Yeah, because I think, um, and that that I think is an area where if you were to expand it, has to be, because when you meet her, she's she seems to be like nineteen, mm-hmm. like she's got to be really young because she was living with her dad. Now she's living with her dad's friends. Like the movie presents her as it's kind of seeming as if she has just come out. And, you know, and she is still a teenager. And so everybody's, you know, sending her to gay to gay conversion is almost what you get the feeling. Yeah. And I think there's an interesting story to be told of her becoming comfortable with being who she is. Because, you know, she she's clearly, you know, in this town where she's not supposed to be getting into trouble, but she goes to a gay bar. And, you know, she's very shy at the beginning you see her like try to make friends it just doesn't work mm-hmm. and so you do kind of, like slowly you see by the time her and Eileen uh, become a couple how quickly she kind of gets bored of her and then sort of you know tries kind of seems to want to leave Eileen for these other friends she meets and I think there was there was more there that could have been it, it is abrupt I think yeah Um. so I do feel like that was a little more I wish that was a little more fleshed out uh, but yeah, I, I like Ricci in the part because I think she's, it's this, it's a, it's a really interesting little performance um, because there is a lot underneath and she sort of feels like she's, um, 
she is an actor playing a character who's playing a character. And I yeah. think that's very difficult to do without it seeming like a bad performance. And that's why I wonder, like, I think I could see why somebody would think it is a bad performance, but I, I think it's way smarter than that. Yeah, I do too. I think that that she's, yeah, I, I would like to watch it. I would watch it again and, and kind of maybe pay attention to her a little mm-hmm. bit more and see if maybe, because I, I, I say manipulative, but... Uh, I wonder if she was maybe more being more manipulative than I initially thought. Right. Because right. there is something like disingenuous by by the end, disingenuous to her character. Yeah. When you first meet her, she's adorable and likable and you just want to hug her and make sure she's okay. Yep. But like that definitely is not how she continues to read throughout the movie. Yeah. And the question is what makes her change or what brings that out in her. Yeah. And I don't think the movie, you could say it's money that suddenly she gets a little more of it and that kind of spoils her. But I don't think the movie gives us that answer quite specifically enough. Yeah. Um, Did you... (laughs) Did you realize, I know I didn't, I thought about it very specifically this time when I watched it, but the first time I watched it, I definitely didn't think about it, that this is set in, like, the 1980s. Yeah. Yeah, I just totally didn't think about it. At first, I'm like, oh, that's just what Florida's like, right? (laughs) (laughs) They still have roller Um, rinks down there, and that's how people wear their hair, right? No, but, so the music is really great. Yeah. And the music is of that time yes but again i think for me i'm like it's like the south they're always like 20 years behind (laughs) send your hate mail to this yankee right here Um, that's very very funny yeah and it it does uh i always respect a movie that uses a really cheesy overplayed song in exactly the right way and i feel like Mm -hmm. it does that with um journey yes with don't stop believing it, it's yeah, it was... so cheesy, but it's exactly what these what what these characters would be roller skating and kissing too. Yeah, it it was really cute. Yeah, that 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 scene specifically is really cute. I just thought I I did I, I'm glad you brought it got brought up, but I I did enjoy the music. I thought the music was really well used. I'd agree. Um, throughout the whole movie. Uh, a couple of other good um, celebrity sightings. Did you catch a certain stuntman turned actor at the bar scene? Who? Kane Hodder. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yep. Um, and I meant to look it up, but I I had a strict no phone rule, so I left it in the room charging, and then I forgot by the time I was done to actually look in the credits or look it up. Yes, he plays one of I've, the undercover cops. I fucking thought so. Yep. Um, the, so I remember very distinctly when I saw it, because I saw this in the theater when it came out, because at the time I was, would see like all the Oscar movies and I was in college and two things I remember distinctly about being in college watching this is this came out, Oz was still on the air and Mm -hmm. the actor who plays the first victim, the guy who does rape her is Lee Turgeson, who was on Oz, who played Beecher. And the reason I remembered this so distinctly was like the next day she finds the newspaper and she sees the article about this man has been found dead and it says his age is 51 and i remember just being like he's not 51 because the actor was probably like 40 and that was really <laughs> like that yeah. that always stuck with me and the other thing that like one of my roommates and i used to always say to each other um 
was uh, the great after after her job and her failed job interview was when the receptionist is seeing her out and Charlize Theron just says, fuck you, Leslie. Yep. Yeah. Which apparently she... was ad-libbed by Charlize Theron. Oh, Which just makes her. you love her that much more. She, and it's so, like, there's a lot of stuff in here. Like, I get... I get her anger is scary and she she's a little like she's unbalanced and she, her moods will sway drastically but that scene specifically when she I I believe truly what I with what I'm presented in the film that she wanted something better right. she wanted to go do something that she perceived as being a step above what she yeah. was doing and I and I believe that she went into it went into it without realizing that that was going to be near impossible yeah. and, and how discouraging and how worthless that yeah. could make somebody Ugh. feel. Yeah. To basically be laughed out of a room because right. you're that, you're, you're that unskilled or you're perceived to be that much of a loser that you can't do anything. But you, you know, she goes to like, I think, I guess it was the, the staffing agency to say like, what do you have? And the woman was like, I guess you could get factory work. And the woman was, I mean, obviously she doesn't want to do factory work, but the woman was going to help her. She turned around and asked the other dude, do we have anybody looking for factory work? And and Lee freaked out and started screaming and swearing. So, like, I get it, but then you, you have that scene specifically where someone was going to try to help right. you, and because it wasn't the thing you wanted, you're going to be, like, a dickhead about it. Yeah, yeah, she's not... She's a sympathetic character because you realize uh, how much shit she's been dealt, mm-hmm. but not not one that necessarily you know merits all of your sympathy and everything else. Because I mean, at the end of the day, she did decide to kill people instead of working in a factory or mm-hmm. being a hooker. You know, yeah. it's yeah, it, it it doesn't let her off the hook. You know, it 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 finds sympathy for her, and it finds, you know, her to be. It allows her to be funny. I think it allows her to be engaging, um, mm-hmm. but not at the cost of turning her into this, you know, uh, wacky hero of sorts. Yeah, and it's and again, it it makes the, those documentaries are just fascinating to watch and to watch her. And, I mean, for one thing is that it really, if you didn't already think Charlize Theron's amazing in this, when you watch those documentaries, you're like, whoa. Yeah. Because it's not just that she looks like her. It's not just that she, you know, finds her voice. or or But it's even her posture. The way she walks, the way she moves. It's the way she carries herself, which is, and I think she was only, I think when she started the killings, I think she was like 28 years old. She was not old. Mm -hmm. But if you met her, you probably would have thought she was 40 because of the life she lived. Uh, It's that weight. And I think Theron, that's what she's, you know, carrying. And it's not just, you know, quote unquote, uglying herself up and putting on weight for this role. It is channeling this person that has been beat down for 30 years and has now sort of found one thing that might give her a leg up, even though it is, you know, taking everything away from her at the same time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the one other big note I had was the police sketches they release. Yeah. 
Yeah. I'm glad you're laughing because do you agree that those were the most um, like five-year-old stick drawing police sketches you've ever seen it, in your life? They were they were funny, and first for a second I had to think, right. is this funny? Right. Um, <laughs> like one of them's wearing a hat, and one of them's not. Guess who? Like that's like like. And, and I was like, okay, so it's probably not funny, but yeah, <laughs> but I found I did it funny. Pause for a minute. Here's the best thing: when you when I watch the documentary, they show police sketches, and it's like, oh, oh, yeah, the ones in the movie weren't that off. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. <laughs> That's funny. So I don't know. Maybe the state of Florida just did not have a talented sketch artist on staff. Yes, maybe. But yeah, yeah, it would seem. Um. Yeah. Those are most of my notes. I think we've covered everything that I have to say. Um, I mean, it, I'll just reiterate that I enjoyed it quite a bit. I found it to be very pacey. It moved very fast. It does, yeah. Perhaps to its detriment, I think, in a way where it feels like like we're saying maybe it, maybe it was a little too smooth. Yeah. Um, but it, there is something to be said for a movie of this nature that flies by. Yeah. I really expected um, it to, I, I don't know what I expected, but I thought it might be a slog and mm-hmm. I thought I might feel uncomfortable. It's way more entertaining, I think, than it could have been. Yeah. Because it is, aside from being involving and such, like, it's funny in a lot of places. And in in odd ways, and sometimes in very dark ways, and sometimes just because Lee, and, and again, like, you watch documentaries, like, yeah, like, she, she was probably kind of fun to be around if you were drinking, like, that awful watery beer. Yeah. Like, you you could see the charm in her, and I think that helps the movie quite a bit. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. All right. So you want to go ahead and rate it? Yes. And I think my rating is going to be higher than I would have expected. Interesting. Quality mm. of film. So, quality of film? Uh, 7.5? I was going to say the same exact thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. 7.5 7. it 7. is. 5. Quality of life and stuff. Um, well, if you add the and stuff, then it's going to be an 8. Yeah. Yeah, I'd probably go 7.75 7, or 8. Um, it, it, I mean, again, it's a movie to watch for the performance, which is not, like, there's, it is not overrated. She is fantastic in this movie. Uh, and it's actually entertaining to watch. So, yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yep. All right, that was Monster. It is streaming on Amazon Prime, if you so desire to watch it that way. Uh, We're going to take a quick break and come back. And after Charlize Theron did this, she probably um, went to the gym for 12 hours a day and I think did one other movie and then came back for Aeon Flux. So we're going to talk about that in a moment. Just a small town girl Living in a lonely world She took the midnight train Going anywhere 
I think it was supposed to be four, and then it got pushed back, and got pushed back, and got pushed back. Um, Karen Kusama, whom we have covered on this show before with Girl Fight and Jennifer's Body. And Jennifer's Body. And both of us have talked, I think, a lot about The Invitation, which I think is fucking amazing. Me too. So she is a filmmaker that I think it's fair to say we both have a huge respect and admiration for. Yep. And after Girl Fight was received very well, uh, I forget what studio it is, but one of the big studios said, okay, Miss Kusama, we're going to give you a lot of money to make a film adaptation of the MTV animated series slash comic novels and Flux. And this was the movie. And it Mm -hmm. bombed and she could not work afterwards for a while. Uh, and it did not do well and got pushed back and so on and so on. So let's start with a recap of what happens in this movie, Christine. (sighs) Good luck. So, um, so apparently, go ahead. What were you going to say? I was just going to say it's the future. If that, that helps you start. Yeah, it's the future. Um, it's a future in which apparently Oh wait, is this a spoiler? Well, something something bad happened. I don't know. There's I guess a spoiler in this movie because there's like you you get a reveal. But anyways, there's I don't know how you I, talk about this movie. But- can I say it's crazy that um, this movie didn't do well considering it's so easy for us to talk about it. <laughs> it's it's okay. It's convoluted at best. You know what? Let me say something because I think this is a movie that I, some people have some people love. I know Jeremy loves it. Um, some I people... just rolled my eyes. Did you hear? <laughs> I, I did actually. It clicked in my <laughs> earphones. I need to go to a doctor for that. Um, it, uh, it's it's from 2005, so it's been out there for 12 years. It is currently on Amazon Prime. I wouldn't, I feel like this is the kind of movie you can't spoil because I have no real fucking idea what happened in it. Okay, so... For Let's me, just, we're gonna un, we're gonna just gonna say we're gonna talk in depth about this movie. We're probably gonna spoil things. Um, if you really want to watch this movie uh, fresh for yourself, then pause this, watch it, and come back and listen to us. But I I don't have enough tools to talk about this movie yeah. without talking about stuff that happens in it. So you know, yes, I honestly I'm glad you feel that way because that's exactly how I okay, feel. Good. So basically, Charlize Theron is is Eon or Aeon Flux, however you want to say it. She's the titular character she is um you know part like the best in this band of of rebels who are going against this like this government against the umbrella corporation right yeah basically i mean there is a lot of there's a it feels a lot like resident evil there's even some music cues in it that are very resident evil to me um at times i wished i had been watching resident evil um but so that's your base like so she she's part of these like anti-government you know operatives or whatever that are trying to take this the system down because they it's perceived to be bad it's it's we don't i don't i don't know if i got like a great sense of why it was bad yeah i had no idea about that because everybody looked pretty happy (laughs) 
But that's the thing. They even commented, you think that this is a perfect place, but there's all this evil lying underneath. And this talk of people coming apart at the seams and people disappearing and people not. But I don't know if I necessarily saw that. So much no, as we don't see it until her sister that. disappears. Her sister, her sister gets killed. Um, but you see in the opening, there is an opening narration, which... Okay, Talk let's, about narration I don't like. This, yeah, this um, I wrote in my notes. Oh, God. I'm always worried about a movie that opens with a text-based prologue about something as like, in, in the year 2000, a virus killed 98% yep. of the world. In 2010, this corporation was formed. In 2021, and this goes on for about two minutes, and it is... There's no montage. Yeah. There is no mm -hmm. um, visual representation. It is just a black screen with this yep. text. And but I'm then watching it leads this. right into a narration. Yeah. And I'm just thinking. So it's so info dumpy. But yeah, yeah, I don't know what valuable information I actually retrieved from it. it. It's info dumping such vague info that. Yeah. And I just, as I was watching this, I'm like, oh my God, how did anybody think this was going to be a big commercial hit if this is how you start your movie? Yeah, it, it, um, so, yeah, you get all that stuff at the beginning, there was, there was that disease that wiped out, like, 99% of the population or something, I think it said something like, there's 5 million people left, we're in, we're, like, 700 years in the future now, and, or 400 years in the future, or something like that, but, and, and, and we're still ruled over by the same, the good childs, basically. Right. Um, so... That all that stuff seems confusing, but once you get to the end, for me at least, it made more sense. Um, like what was happening. So basically, Eon gets told the that good child dude is going to be available to kill. You need to get in there and kill him. She goes to kill him, and he says. Catherine, I guess. I think that's what he says. And she's like, what? What does that name mean? But it makes her not want to kill him. Mm -hmm. And then she starts, whenever she's around him, she starts to have these, like, blurry like, what is this, a memory? Is it a flashback? What's going on? And then, you know, they talk and he says something about, I don't know, knowing her or whatever. But, like, like then the perception of the other, like, rebel people is that she's untrustworthy and so now they have to go and kill her. But, like, he has a good child has a brother who is um the dude from elementary who's who tommy lee miller is that his name johnny lee miller johnny lee miller i was saying it i watched angelina jolie's first husband i kept saying his name i think i've worn out how many times i can say it but so he has another brother and then you find out that that brother's bad and the other brother's good but they've been cloning everybody for all these years so there's actually no new people yep but like they didn't clone Eon because she's that she's that good the good good because child. She was his wife, and if he mm -hmm. met her again, she would remind him of stuff. This would happen, and this is what happened because she she got she got cloned and put into future land, and she realized that and all of the people were clones, and she was going to blow up the ship that had all the clones. I don't know why the clones were just not on the ground. But that she was going to blow... Well, it was the clone blow... DNA, wasn't it? Right. Yeah, it was the clone DNA. But, like, keep that somewhere else. Um... <laughs> That's a good point. It's not the safest place <laughs> but, to store it. Whatever. A lot of it... There, there's some things that were, were pulled from the Liquid TV um So like, did, did you series. watch the TV 
show? Yeah, I did wa- watch it when it was on. I've never, I've never revisited it. So okay. obviously, I was, I was a bit young. Um, so I don't, didn't retain the the nuances. There are some iconic scenes that are reproduced to varying degrees of success mm-hmm. within this movie, like a lot of visuals that they tried to get right. right. Um, the 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 story is convoluted. The story seems overly complex. There are two good child brothers. I think it's like Owen and I don't know or Owen. Trevor, I think is Trevor. Yeah, yeah. There's two of them, and Zach posited that there was a version of the script where there was only one, Hmm. and that they split them off at some point to have like a real, a really real bad guy. I think it would have been interesting that if maybe there wasn't like this bad guy whose motives seemed unclear and this good guy whose motives seemed weird. And you just maybe had one gray character who, like, you could explain a bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, well, my understanding of the sh- and this is purely just kind of reading things because I never watched the show, but I think, like, I guess the mo- this movie kind of ultimately has a very traditional romance at its heart. And from what I understand, the show was much more sexy, much more um, yeah, it was like super non-conventional sexy. romance, also. Yep, and. Uh, like I, I think from I read one thing where like I think Trevor on the show was basic was I think good and bad and it was like a much more antagonistic relationship and in this it's just he's the dreamy good one and the other guy's like the hot bad one and I, I mean I, I get maybe you're trying to make it easier but it's it's a romance the romance fell flat for me just because I think yeah. also for as many problems as I have with this movie. Charlize Theron, I think, looks fucking amazing, and yep. she's sexy as hell. And I don't want to see her mad. Like, there's, a, it's a kind of, it's a problem. I think she often has as an actress mm-hmm. is that because it is not just that she is beautiful; is that she is um, powerful and statuesque. That it is very rare to see her in a film where she seems evenly matched with her male partner. Yep. And that is so the case here, where you have, she is essentially a superhero, and, you know, here's her boyfriend, I guess. Yeah. There was a one part that I did actually, find, like, the, the one part I actually chuckled in the movie is when, like, they're in, like, a shootout, and he's getting, getting, he gets hit, and, like, she's able to save him, and then is, like, you know, she brings him down, um, she pulls out a bullet, and he's like, I have another one, she's like, and I think she says something of, like, did any of them manage to miss you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's yeah. actually a good line. And, yep. you can I have, and you can have a good love story that is overmatched, where, you know, the woman is the superhero in love with the mortal. Like, that that can be done well, but it's here, it just it doesn't feel like it was done that way. It just feels like they're supposed to be more evenly matched, only... It feels like the movie thinks they're evenly matched. Yeah, I guess. Because he's a genius, maybe? Because he's a scientist? But it doesn't feel that way. Yeah, because honestly, you nothing feels anything in this movie, I think. Yep. Um, the first, I tried to watch this about two years ago. It was right after we did Girl Fight, I think. I decided to watch this. It was on Netflix at the time. And I got about 45 minutes through it. I watched like half of it before work one day. And I just never finished it. I never went back to it because I just didn't care. Yeah. And that's not common for me. I don't like to give up on movies. I just, I looked, I think I remember at the time realizing I have another hour of this movie and I'm like, eh, 
like I could watch a lot of other stuff. Mm-hmm. And re-watching it now in its entirety, um, it, it I was obviously I finished it. Uh, there were things I enjoyed about it, and there's you know visually I think this movie is pretty damn cool. Um, mm-hmm. I love the costuming choices. I do like a lot of the visual decisions. I like watching Char- Charlize Theron be a superhero. But boy, what a what a just missed mark this movie is. Yeah. Um yeah, like I said, I felt a lot of um like Resident Evil vibes and then yeah. I started thinking about like how cool would it have been if Charlize had been able to like be in like a Resident Evil style franchise. I mean, I know she went and did great things and things that I really enjoy. But like I love I love Mila Jovovich's career. Me too. Totally. <laughs> I mean I hope she does too. But like I would have like Charlize would have had a really cool Mila Jovovich esque career. That's why I'm happy about Atomic Blonde. But this wasn't that. And you're right, that show was like it was fucking titillating and it was extreme mm-hmm. and it was gross. I think of that show and I think of like a like a squishy noise. <laughs> like it it was like an like a gross, icky, uncomfortable, but like hyper hyper everything stylized sexualized violent show there was like a lot of um fetishization of like weaponry if i remember correctly and i didn't get any of that this felt like a very tame version like from what you're saying it it feels like this should have been more tank girl yeah yeah and granted tank girl which we both loved also bombed And I really wonder, because I know, um, I mean, I've read interviews with Karen Kusama talking about this movie after, talking about less the specifics of this movie and more of what this did to her career. But I know that this was like an awful filming process for everybody. I know this was a case where um, I think her her final cut, I think, was much longer and from what I understand, the studio basically cut it down by half and then said, oh, can you come in and re-edit it? But Oof. they wouldn't let her put stuff back in. So it's a case where I, you know, and any any film of this magnitude, I don't know what the budget was, but it was a big budget. It's definitely one where, you, you know, I'm sure there is blame gets like 80% on the studio and 20% maybe on Kusama and so on and so on. It's hard to know. Um, the end product is a mess, but I do think that there's definitely kernels of interesting things in there. You just Mm -hmm. get the feeling that this, this was never going to be the movie it should have been. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think they were probably off the mark from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I wonder, I'm sure, um, I didn't, I didn't get a chance to do that much, much research. I wouldn't be surprised if there were earlier film scripts or treatments where it is sexier and weirder and all of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, there's like, there's hints of cool stuff that makes you wonder, like when you meet Sophie Okanato, I'm sure I'm saying her wrong, but Mm -hmm. like sort of Aeon's like protege, who's also like an assassin with her. Yep. And she has like, you know, she talks about how she's like had her feet genetically modified to other hands. Like, it's that's cool i'm like that's a cool visual and it makes sense for an assassin and like give me that and give me i want to watch her have sex like what do you do with that yeah you know um but you just you know you don't get that you get again like you see pete postlewaite in this like cocoon larvae thing as the keeper of dna well that's cool yeah but not much is done with it yeah 
So it's a shame. I, it is. It's in, in the, there is there are other things that aren't explored, but they keep focusing on this relationship that I yeah. don't really give a shit about. Yep, yep. There are so many other things that you know even not even for me who doesn't have context with the actual source material like you're setting your movie in the future where everybody is a clone and who haven't been out of this bubble in 400 years like there's a lot to explore there don't give me like this centuries old love story that you know because the movie asks you to be so invested in it yeah it's it's odd it is. It's a strange choice because um, that's not. I get that like it's echoes from a, from a past, but like I have no reason to believe that Eon would have given two shits about like this dude. Right. Right. Like like or a dude. Like she's like the best one of these. What is the, whatever the word is called? I can't be bothered to even look at. But of those rebels, assassins, whatever they're called, they're those people. She's like the best one. She's like the coolest. She's mm-hmm. she's everything. Who? Why would she give two shits about this guy? Yeah, like I mean, look at her in this movie. She's yeah. fucking amazing. Yeah, <sighs> yeah. Uh, what's funny was when I was trying to like learn a little more about the movie. Every time I googled, I would start to Google because I've all, I've read like one or two interviews with Charlize Theron about this, and it just seemed like a huge disappointment on every end. Where she says, like, yeah, like, we had good ideas. It didn't come together. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's kind of a shame. Um, but when you Google Charlize Theron Aeon Flux, you know what immediately comes up? What? Charlize Theron Aeon Flux haircut. <gasps> yeah. It, it looks great on her. <laughs> she looks fantastic it, in this movie. Her way. hair looks great. I like that her hair, they have it pretty under control the, the majority of the time but there is the specific scene I believe which is in like the greenhouse where you can see the humidity is not affecting it well and I, it, it just made me laugh I was like oh I understand that's why I can't air that short <laughs> but she looked great um I, she looked she looked great she I the effects there were some like fight effects and like like the jumping like the, it's easier to obviously portray that in like a cartoon because right real people don't move like that even if they are gymnasts or trained they they don't so like there were aspects of that that did look a little silly but you know if it it, i would have been willing to forgive it if it was in a different movie yeah the visuals actually were fine for me because i think very again this is why i'm mad that they don't do like a prologue because i think the movie is pretty quick about establishing this is our world and it's kind of ridiculous Mm-hmm. And the, here's a character who has hands for feet. So, yeah, she can jump on vines and dodge these things. And I, I felt like they suspended physics early enough where I bought into this cartoonish sci-fi, um, very uh, kind of primary colored world. The visuals actually worked for me. Because I, I just – it was – it, it, they were consistent, I think. So I was mm-hmm. with it from the beginning on that end. And it just, it makes it a bigger shame that, I mean, here's Karen Kusama, who every one of her films that I have seen, I would never call it a visually striking film. I would always say, oh, it's it's great. It You know, it it's, builds amazing tension. It has 
great dialogue. It has characters that, you know, I'm invested in and care about. And every one of those things that makes all of her other films great, everything about Girl Fight that I loved, about this such an honest character and, you know, somebody I, I know but I haven't seen on screen and The Invitation and how, like, my heart was in my my throat the entire time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Every one of those things, none of them are in Aeon Flux. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the, There's a lot of stuff that's not in here. The only thing <laughs> that I think would even maybe make me believe this was Karen... If you... If you showed me this movie and said, okay, so how would you know this is Karen Kusama? My answer would be I wouldn't. Um, The only thing is that it does have the women are way outpower the men and that's cool and is fresh and I like how it is where it's not just Aeon Flux, it's also Sophie Okanato, it's also um, Frances McDormand is essentially her boss uh, and you have the act. I don't know the actress's name, but Trevor's sort of bodyguard. Yep. Um, who is fucking awesome. Uh, she, uh, her fight with Aeon was my favorite part of the movie. It's just this great gritty, um, and it doesn't, cause it doesn't have like the same grace as the one before, but it makes sense cause it's in a closed area, but you do have a lot of really strong, badass women being badass. And that I yep. appreciate. And, I mean, this is a movie that I think if it's on TV one day, I'll probably, I wouldn't change a channel if it's on in the background, mm-hmm. but I can't ever imagine sitting down and being excited to watch this again. It is, it is a huge disappointment. Um, yeah, I, I was happy with the amount of diversity in yeah. the cast, but it, it's so, it's so strange when a movie feels both long and yeah. underdeveloped. Oh Yeah. It felt long, but it also felt like I didn't get enough time with anything or nope. anybody or nothing really happened, but I can't explain what did happen. It's <laughs> strange when that happens. When the movie ended, like, it was one of those things where I'm watching it and, like, I have errands to do, but I'm kind of waiting to finish the movie. And, like, I think I looked away from the screen for, like, a minute to kind of, like, write my shopping list or something. And I looked back and the credits were rolling. I was like, wait. Yeah. Oh. It, it, just, it just ends. I, I honestly had to rewind because I really did miss, like, what was the last thing that happened? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. Like, it, it's really – and I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing what our listeners have to say about this one. Mm-hmm. Because I know there are some people that just do have affection for it. I know people who were probably very close to the show probably hate it. Um, I am I really want to hear what people think of this movie. And especially saying that, just also add, please watch it again now and tell me if you still feel that way. Or if it's aged a certain way. Or if upon second, third viewing, you catch things that maybe we didn't catch. Uh, I'm, I'm really curious because I think this movie is... It, the sad thing is, again, there's interesting things about this movie, but I feel like it's a mess, and I feel like it's a boring. It's not an interesting mess. Yeah, that's true. Like the, I, yeah, I wonder how much if the because for me, there's very little redeeming mm-hmm. to be found here. Yeah. So if you are super into it, like, is there is it nostalgia? Which is fine. I just sure. I, I like the Langoliers the most. So. <laughs> Like, I get sometimes that can be a very powerful thing. I I just, I couldn't get there with this movie. Yeah. 
Like, hey, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves is one of my all-time favorite movies. I know that anybody can pull apart various aspects of that movie and say, no, it sucks because of this or this or this. I get that. I still love watching it because it entertains the hell out of me. With this movie, I want to hear that same defense. Yeah. And, and and again, I would love one day to sit down with Karen Grisama and say, okay, no, seriously, tell me what you originally thought you could do with this movie. Mm-hmm. And maybe the answer was, I, you know, I made one after being in the business for 15 years, working as an assistant, I finally made my one film and I got lucky in that it was received the way it should have been received. Like, Girl Fight's mm-hmm. fantastic. And I got, I got lucky that people actually saw it and liked it. And a studio decided they were going to let me direct this movie. And I'm sure, because everything we know about, you know, it's, it's one of those really interesting that we always talk about, like, the whole bullshit of female directors seem to get one chance to fuck up and that's it, whereas male directors yeah. don't. And I'm sure this was, I mean, this was Karen Kasama's fuck up. This was the movie that it bombed and it was a big budget. Um, but I really wonder, you know, I, I think I just also want to give her the credit and respect because I think based on everything else I've seen of hers, I know she's brilliant. Yep. I want to know what she originally was doing with this movie. Yeah, I, I you, the thing you said about like um, editing it down and like I really wonder if if it's possible that there could have been something interesting there sure. ever at any point, yeah. or if it was always going to not be great because kind of like I said tonally this subject matter and this tone doesn't match the source material at all. Right. Not to say that they have to match, but like, it, what's the point then? Call it something sure. else. Yeah, yeah, very much. Call it Atomic Flux. Yes, that would have been confusing and strange. Is that about <laughs> really bad acid reflux? That's a good point. I I'll should not. That. I work in marketing too. What am I doing? <laughs> <sighs> yeah, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm glad I finally did give it a full chance. Um, it was very pretty. I like the costumes. Um, yeah. Um, Zach said it looked cheap. He thought it looked cheap and he found it distracting. Um, I didn't have that reaction. Well, I, you know what's interesting, I think, is that I could see the cheap argument because in a way it's not for a big sci-fi conceptual movie. It's also set in a very enclosed space. Yeah. Like literally it is in a bubble. The world has been closed off and this is all we get. Mm-hmm. So there is that sense of like things that should be grander that aren't that grand, but I feel like it made sense and I could just be making excuses for it. Um, but it kind of made sense because of the situation that like, yeah, this shouldn't be like a sprawling epic city. Like we know it's actually very confined, but yeah, it's it's aged weirdly. I think. Yeah it it feels very um, yeah it feels very dated, which is strange yeah. for like a future movie. For any future, yeah, it's never a good thing for a future film. Yeah. All right. Do you have much more to say about Anne Flux? Um, I don't think so. Uh, I think we covered it. I don't know why this movie was so confusing because nothing happens in it. It's, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I will not argue that. I'm I'm not smart enough to explain anything that happens in this movie. So. Yep. All right, quality of film. Oof. I'm going to go I'll go first on this one because I made you go first last time. Film, it's I mean I really think it's right down the middle. It is not good, but it's not terrible. It has some visual um prestige to it, I guess. I'm just going to go with a 5.25. Yeah, uh, five, I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, if it if it went in either direction from the five, maybe I could bump it up a point because I sure. like Charlize so much. Yeah. Maybe I could remove a point because it's it's so it falls so flat. Yeah. I, so I don't know. Five is fine. That's fair. Quality of life. Um, for me, it's not much higher because this movie. I find this movie boring, but I like the girl fights and I like Charlize and I like looking at her in Gautier. Mm-hmm couture future wear so i'll go 5.75 yeah i was gonna say six i think this is the third time i've watched it every time i never remember what it's about though (laughs) even even going into into it this time i said i know i just watched and when i say just watch it could mean three years or six years but like i remember the last time i watched it i don't remember what it was about Yep. So um, in, in four years, I might decide to watch it again, and I, I probably won't remember what it's about. Note to self, never write, never use this when, like, writing an essay about anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was Aeon Flux. It is on Amazon Prime as well. So if you want to get your pre-atomic blonde uh, Charlize kicking ass fixin', here you go. Yay! Mm. You should. Just cause. Exactly. Uh, I mean, it's still like the kind of movie that if this movie was coming out next week, I'd still be like, guys, go see it. Give it your money so that they stop talking about women films not doing well. Yep. Yeah. All right. So that's the big show. Uh, Streaming recommends, my lady. What you got? I have one um, that is an Amazon Prime streaming recommend. Um, It is a movie that um, people either really like or really hate those are my favorite kind of movies um i've read some really great reviews of it and then i've read some things that just do not get it but it is um the found footage bigfoot movie willow creek ah somebody interesting is this the bobcat goldthwaite movie oh nice nice um i liked it a lot okay um i knew what it was gonna oh and you know who's in it the the lead the male lead is detective wilden from pll (gasps) i love him i I love him and all his awfulness so there you go and he's really good in this like a tremendous actor it's really interesting wow yeah sort of glee also so, uh, so for that reason alone so zach really wanted to watch it and i was like yeah whatever found footage bigfoot it might suck um (laughs) And then the minute like, it starts, I'm like, alum. that's Detective Wilden. You <laughs> need to know how to pitch these things to me. Yep, <laughs> like, yep. I would have watched it a month ago <laughs> when he first suggested it if I had known. But um, I liked it a lot. If if you can get to it on Prime, um, please watch it. Okay. There's some, like, we, we had one interpretation of it, and then we read a bunch of, like, reviews and articles online that had a different interpretation. Ooh, and I think that everyone's wrong. Ooh, fun. Okay, I'm adding it to my queue. I will give it a go. Okay. All right, my recommend is on Netflix. And I watched this the other day. I had 
kind of stayed away from it because I was concerned that it would be very hipstery, New Yorkish, and sometimes I'm not in the mood for that. Um, but this was Mike Birbiglia's "Don't Think Twice." Okay, uh, it's about an improv troupe in New York. Very, it's essentially about um, an an upright citizens brigade improv group mm-hmm. where one of the members, played by not Peel but the other one, Keith. Yep. Um, uh, he gets cast on what is essentially Saturday Night Live and how that kind of disrupts the dynamic. And, you know, it's about these, you know, 30-something uh, New Yorkers who are great improv artists and very talented, but who are also living in 2017 where, mm-hmm. you know, there are a lot of people like you, like that. Uh, and Jillian Jacobs from Community is in it, and she is yes, yes, wonderful. Yes. She is so good in this. Um, it's it's a really good cast, like a, a whole bunch of people that you'll recognize from other things. And it's it's very funny, but it's also kind of sweet and honest. And if you're like me and you were staying away from it because you didn't know how kind of obnoxious hipstery it would be, um, mm-hmm. I don't think that's a concern. After I watched it, I was like, no, I'm like... Because it's a kind of movie that understands its characters and that maybe they're a little hipstery, but they're also aware of that. And they're also, you know, in in for like the one for the main guy, um, Mike Brabila, who directed it, you know, he's like 30, I think he's supposed to be like 36. And he it's commented on that. You know what? You're too old for this. This is not like you're not going to make it. And that's a part of his kind of storyline. So I found it very enjoyable. That's and good to know. It. Yes. I will probably have watched it by the next time we talk. Excellent. I look forward to hearing your thoughts on it. Hooray. Okay. Uh, do you have any thoughts on what you want to cover next? Um, I don't know. Do you want to cover the stand? We could cover the stand. <laughs> do you want to do it? We can do it. Let me see if, that... I can, if I can easily find the stand. I okay. feel like I saw it streaming somewhere or it might be like on Amazon somewhere. Okay. Um, if we do, are we just going to cover the stand? You know, here's a... Because it's such a rich, dense world. Okay, I have a thought, too. Okay. Which is, I feel like we should... Um, something we didn't talk about, but um, other news that happened in the world this week that, for me, is very sad, uh, although I knew it would happen in my lifetime, which is that George Romero passed away. That is very sad, and I knew it would happen, and it was one of the ones that I always expected and then never was ready for yes how can um, you be ready for that yeah. he was the nicest fucking person yeah i had the pleasure of either seeing him speak or meeting him um a handful of times and i i, I might not care for his later output but geez always came across like the nicest man mm-hmm. yeah and uh, i mean there is no question to, you could say horror horror obviously wouldn't be the same without him Absolutely. Film in general would not be the same without him. Mm-hmm. What he did, what, I mean, not necessarily intentionally, but what Night of the Living Dead did for cinema, for independent filmmaking, for midnight filmmaking, all that stuff, is really very much determined a lot in the history of film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and without question, it redefined horror. And, I mean, not even talking about zombies, because obviously that you know an entire the billions of dollars that sadly didn't go to george romero uh of an industry of zombies that came came about um 
then I've said, I mean, Dawn of the Dead is my favorite movie of all time. And part of the mm-hmm. reason it, it always has been is the kind of possibility of worlds it created. As a kid watching that movie with my family, we would then do the whole, any, you know, we're on a road trip. Hey, what would happen if there were zombies outside? Let's figure that out. Like that kind of, the way he opened up this possibility, I think, is something that can never be um, spoken enough about. Um, so I, I was thinking we should do a George Romero movie. Okay. Um, so I don't know which one. I kind of, I kind of think, especially if we're doing the stand, what might be a good compare, uh, might be a good pairing, could be Land of the Dead. Um, I love Land of the Dead. I see. That's Unapolo- the thing is, I'm I, Unapol- unapologetically, I, I adore it. It's been and a I think few years so since rep- I watched it, but I remember when I rewatched it a couple of years ago, thinking yeah. this is really underrated. It's so fucking underrated, and so many movies after it who that are that get more credit yep. and are highly lauded fucking steal wholesale from it. Yep. Um, I'm very passionate about this. Movie. All right, so that's it. Next, <laughs> when next we meet, we are going to cover the 1994 television adaptation of Stephen King's <laughs> The Stand, directed by our best friend McGarris. Oh my! Yes, uh, and George Romero's Land of the Dead. Woo. This is exciting. I'm excited about this. This is a very, a very unique pairing. This I is, think this is going to be something. <laughs> All right, folks, until then, um, stay cool because there's a heat wave outside here in New York, not in Seattle. No, it's it's like 77 right now. You know what? Fuck you, Leslie. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Goodbye. A monster in the mirror when I woke up today A monster in my mirror but I did not run away I did not shed a tear or hide beneath my bed Though the monster looked at me and this is what he said He said wubba 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 woo 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 Wubba 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 and a doodly doo He sang wubba 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 so I sang it too me or I will wubba you. Do not wubba me or I will wubba you. Told the monster in the mirror, no, I am not scared. Then I smiled at him and thanked him for the song that we had shared. Well, the monster thanked me too. He smiled right back and then the monster in the mirror sang his song again. He sang wubba, 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 woo, woo, woo. Wubba, 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 and a doodly-doo. He went wubba, 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 and I sang along. Yes, wubba, wubba, wubba is a monster song. Wubba, wubba, wubba is a monster song. Wubba, 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 woo, woo, woo. Wubba, 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 and a doodly-doo. He went wubba, 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 and I sang along. If your mirror has a monster in it, do not shout. 
this kind of situation does not call for freaking out and do nothing that you would not like to see him do. Cause that monster in the mirror, he just might be you. Singing wubba 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 woo woo woo. Wubba 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 and a doodly doo. Wubba 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 you can join in too. Yes, if you wubba me then I will wubba you. Going wubba 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 is the thing to do. Every time you wubba us, we'll wubba you.